It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is a More Than Just Podcast production. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 377 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Dimitro, I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California. Hello. And we also have Jaime Lopez Jr. on the line in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And as a special crossover treat, we have Jonathan Kuline in Mississauga, Ontario. Hello there, kids. All right, so this this episode is kind of, we decided to do a crossover episode. I'm going to publish this on both both podcasts, but... Yeah, the Vision Pro came out last week, and uh, it's definitely a crossover between technology and entertainment, and sci-fi in particular. So I think I thought it would be prudent for us to have sort of a joint conversation about about what what I'm living through right now. Jonathan had a chance to try it out. Um, I don't know if you guys you guys know you can book time at like a 20 minute can demo at the Apple Store. Have you guys thought about doing that yet, Mark and Jaime? I have not done that yet. I have not, but you know, it's probably a good idea. Uh, we we might talk about this at some point, but I'm probably well. I have already not purchased the Vision Pro, and I probably will not purchase. But I really should go out there and try things rather than ooing and aahing at some of the videos and just just see what that interaction feels like to get a taste of it. And if they're if they're going to let you walk in for twenty minutes and try it out, why not? Right? Yeah, it, it is completely. Um, I mean, I mean, it, it's. I don't know if it's say mind altering, but it, from an experience point of view, it's it's very very unique, right? So I think I'm correct in saying that, right, John? Yeah, it definitely is a unique product. I f- it feels the same way I felt when somebody somebody being Tim dropped an iPhone in my hands for the first time and being like, "Oh, this is this is very different." It it, it is a unique product. I will say I've, I've never seen anything quite like it. Yeah, and it's funny. Like I, you know, you, you got to spend. I mean. 
I mean, I started dealing with it in August, and I've had a, chan a number of chances over the time. I'm going to write an article on my six months with it. That's how long I've been playing around with this. Um, back and forth in different different scenarios. But, you know, now that I've got one, and, and then I went online and I read all the sort of negative reviews of it, I'm like, oh, that's what, you know, feel the vision is. And, you know, if I hadn't read that stuff, I might not even really sort of paid attention to a lot of the the sort of the weird things about it but i mean like overall like i, th I think it's like a 90 95 99% cool you know from that point of view right i mean there's always there's always going to be edge cases and somebody pointed out on um on linkedin today a friend of mine posted that he'd read an article where somebody said this is the worst vision pro there's ever going to be right because it's it's all up from uphill from here right or up probably no. probably probably unless it becomes like you know the 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 we thought the one and done HomePod for a while. Remember, we weren't getting updates for that for several years. But I think definitely it's it's a amalgamation of a lot of the weird things that Apple's been working on for, over the last few years. That's what I keep telling people. Like Stage Manager, why was Stage Manager a thing? You know, and and Memojis, why were Memojis a thing? Now that I see you know the personas and all that kind of stuff out there, and, and you know when I'm going to show you my persona a little bit in a little bit, but. It's pretty cool, like like the technology well, they've been putting yeah, together here. Even bigger, that just the the emphasis they put on AR kit over the past couple of years. Yeah, you know, before this, it was it was pretty strange that they put so much effort into AR kit. Uh, so it was pretty clear that they were leading, they've been talking about this for you know ten years already, leading up to this for ten years. Yeah, well, the patent actually goes back to two thousand seven. So that's that. That answers the question, was Steve Jobs even aware of this product, right? And it sounds like he was in some way, shape, or form, right? Well, patents don't necessarily mean much. I mean, you know, in, in the tech world, people write patents. People write a lot of patents, and they use them for you know defensive reasons if as much mm -hmm. as anything else. So if you have a lot of patents in your portfolio, then people won't sue you as much because you can <laughs> sue them back right. for right. infringement. So... It, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's patent that patent, patented that doesn't turn into real products. Good to know. Yeah, nope. that's yep. true. That's true. But but it's interesting. I mean, the, some of the illustrations I've seen, like you know, I don't know if they, I don't know if they're they're conflating other drawings with the the fact that it was a 2007 patent because I saw one picture where it pretty much looks like what we have in our hands. Mind you, I guess how much imagination can you really put into something you put over your eyes, right? So. It all looks like ski goggles, right? Those have been around for a hundred years, or probably more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's funny because because I when I did my talk on uh, which I haven't published yet on this show yet, I'm planning to. But uh, when I did my talk on uh, developing for Vision OS, I put I got a I found a pair of Dewalt goggles that are like tinted, like for when you're working outside, and they look you know more from a distance they look like Vision Pro, right? So I, I walked out with those on, and and uh, the the host who was there wasn't a techie person he asked me if it was snowing you know so he in, in, instinctively saw them as snow go uh, ski goggles right so mm -hmm. and they and they, they pretty much do look they look very much like something you'd put on like they look like uh, those um, what do you, the underwater what do you call those things you know the the diving mask right yeah scuba mask yeah scuba mask yeah the Jacques Cousteau thing cool well we do have we do have um uh, we probably have some follow-up but I've totally forgotten to go and look it up but I do have one sort of thing and this is sort of a follow-up from spotcast but it kind of fits into this because on Spotcast, we mentioned that we talk about Apple services a lot on More Than Just Code. We've been watching it grow over the years, right? And this is just a quote from, uh, I saw online today, that uh, Apple services made $23 billion in Q4 of 2023. 
which is more than Netflix, Spotify, Peloton, Dropbox, MasterCard, Electronic Arts, and the New York Times combined. That's, That's pretty a good. Lot. Yeah. Yeah, kudos to Apple, eh? <laughs> it's, <laughs> Way to uh, stay it's the bananas. biggest. Yeah. It's bananas in terms of some of the scale. Uh, I mean, certainly you've got things that people would just emotionally get behind a uh, long time Star Wars, like the New York times. Like, okay, I can't believe that Peloton. I can believe that uh, Spotify. I mean, they just dumped a lot of money on Joe Rogan, but uh, yeah, that's more of a cost than it is a, a revenue type thing. So like, okay, maybe more than Spotify, maybe more than Netflix and Dropbox. MasterCard is such a behemoth in the world. Yeah. And electronic arts is no, no slouch either in video games that being bigger than, than both of those combined just feels bananas in and of itself, much less all of these things. And so Apple services for TV plus and music and, you know, the, the meager amount of iCloud that you get for free that then kind of encourages you to pay at least a dollar per yeah. month is, uh, you know, it's, it's certainly doing the job for, for breaking in the bucks. I just want yeah, to point this, out that you said this, you said that five gigabytes was meager, right? In in this year, so as we're recording this for for future historians and or aliens that res you know, this <laughs> this show and crack the code, it is February two thousand twenty four as far as Earth calendars are, are, are going on, and and in that um, you you'd probably have a hard time buying like you know any sort of physical media disc that was that size. Yeah, you know, cloud is is effectively infinite storage space and to have only five gigs worth of it as the starting point is just frustratingly not enough for, for yeah people. yeah so they got people like me who are, are paying the what well, was paying the dollar a month now it's rolled into the apple one that i'm part of so there you go you can thank me personally for contributing to the 23 would you say 23 billion in, in the fourth quarter 2023 for services the scale is, is pretty staggering but if if you think about a lot of companies one of the sort of the signs that you're you've become a large company is mm-hmm. you make a billion dollars in a year right, of revenue probably. and they're making 23 billion in a quarter i mean they're making close to 100 billion in a year just and it's just on services that doesn't even include all the hardware which is the bulk of their business it's pretty it's pretty incredible pretty amazing yeah i mean we've talked about this before i think the iphone is at least 55 percent of their their income yeah so yeah it's, it's crazy crazy I mean, like, what is it, Apple service? Like, like, let's step back. I think, I think the number that sticks out in my head was like fifteen percent was services as part of Apple's total portfolio. Like, can you imagine if twenty three billion is just fifteen percent of your portfolio? You know, that's crazy. Good on you, Tim Cook. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, remember the little people. Share some love for us, okay? How about us Canadians and give it, get us an Apple card, right? So this, I was going to say this, we were talking about this before the show, but for Jonathan and myself, right? You know, when we talk about Apple discounts and stuff like that, you guys with your Apple cards get 3% if you buy with an Apple card, right? Like at the store? Yeah, yeah that's true. No, isn't, isn't it more if you go to the physical store? Or is it no, more no, it's 3%. Okay, I think maybe when it first rolled out, it was maybe a little bit. When they do certain specials, I think the most I've seen is, and I believe I took advantage of 6% during December of uh, what, like 2018, 2019, whenever it was, I bought this laptop that I'm using now. Mm-hmm. Like that was just bananas. I don't think I've seen anything that matches that. Right. 
Well, Jonathan, can you agree with me? Like, you know, this is like not fair. <laughs> well, uh, we do rail occasionally on the Spotcast uh, podcast about the inequities between uh, ourselves and our American neighbors as far as the uh, access. So we'll put this on the long pile of uh, the deep pile of things that uh, Americans get uh, to take advantage of. Like like access to the Vision Pro Ops app store right now. That would be one of them. That would be one of them. And uh, we always talk about, of course, the uh, number of TV programs that show up uh, south of the border before they do up here. So, yeah. And then yeah. sometimes never come here. Yeah. And Jonathan doesn't know that, like, historically, more than just code leans American is with a two to one ratio. <laughs> but Spotcast leans Canadian two to one. And today we have a equal balance. The level playing field. Yeah. Perfectly balanced as all laugh. things should be, as some might say. Mark, would you describe yourself as an American patriot? Uh, that's kind of a loaded term. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about your politics, Mark. Tell us everything. Yeah, yeah we stay away from that on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, we do, yeah. Um, and Mark's actually from Boston, so he's technically on the East Coast with us in terms of, uh, you know, long long story, I guess. Mind you, I guess you've, you've probably been out, out West longer than you have. Down east, I have. Right? I have. Yeah. yeah, I moved yeah. out to California in 1991. Right, right. Oh, how old were you? long time ago. 20... No, now everybody's going to know how old I am. No, you're like 20... uh, okay, 20, you're in your 20s. Like, 21, you're 20s 22, 22. Okay. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Cool. Um, Jaime, you got some follow-up for us? Yeah, I'm sure at some point we talked about privacy or push notifications and their relationship to privacy and or just general things that, uh, you know, we've said, hey, isn't it kind of weird that Apple lets you do this sort of thing? And eventually they start cracking down on, on some of the nature finds a way, people find a way to do icky things, if not necessarily nefarious. Yeah. So this, uh, it, it's really weird. It's, it is a YouTube video. From a channel called Misk or Misk, sure how that's pronounced. Uh, that's kind of like a PowerPoint deck um, as a video, but the gist of it is that uh, there appears to be a whole bunch of uh, social media apps that do this, and could be other apps that take advantage of what should be a relatively simple and straightforward nicety of like, hey, you can send a push notification to your users and uh, you know do some sort of time-limited calculation. Generally intend to be, oh, uh, I sent Tim $5. Maybe you would like to see, you know, some interesting card that shows my face or here's what the, the $5 is for. You know, you can sort of pick your choice. But some really, uh, you know, clever folks have figured out, oh, so if I can get the iPhone boot time from presumably one of the SDK uh, options, I didn't even know that existed. Uh, and if I mm -hmm. send push notifications across a whole bunch of different apps at once and say, hmm, looks like this app thinks that the iPhone has been booted up for 17 days, four hours, three minutes. And this other app thinks it's been 17 days, four hours, and three minutes. Pretty good chance that's the same person. Uh, oh, say, really? oh, there's like, you know, 10 people like that in the globe. All right, cool. Uh, which ones were on this continent? Which ones were in this country? Which ones were in this city, this state, this province? And it's like, yeah, you've pretty quickly narrowed it down to like track things that really aren't supposed to be tracked, right? Apple has gone through this big uh, privacy thing and, and cracked down more and more on the, the APIs and what's usable, how you can get tracked, and they've made you sign away your, you know, your firstborn child and your house and everything else to like crack down. But 
when you're the scale of TikTok and uh, X, formerly known as Twitter, Facebook, and Bing, and etc., a little bit harder. So, hmm. kind of unfortunate sort of stuff. I think turning off push notifications is probably the only way you could get around this sort of thing. But a lot of these folks are using you know various uh, third-party SDKs to do analytics and other bits. Uh, maybe it's time for people to rethink some of that. I've got another solution. What's that? So, don't use Facebook. Just don't use Facebook or TikTok or any of those other apps. <laughs> <laughs> sure. But like, I think these are the ones that like, you know, these are clearly not only motivated actors, but also actors that have the resources and money to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. And actually now that the people are aware is like, oh, if you're if you're an independent app developer, why don't you try and do it and see <laughs> and see what's going mm-hmm. on and participate? Like that's probably going to end up with with Apple uh, you know, locking this down in future versions of of iOS or maybe uh, cracking down even harder when it comes to the stores and reviews and other stuff. Thought it was worth yeah, but da- data analytics is a big part of of like most businesses. I mean, like, you know, they you know, you've got. Mark's told us about Mixpanel before, and there's what Crashlytics and uh, all that Firebase stuff at Google. You know, so it's not hard to to put together numbers. But I, and that's the thing is like you know, if you want to spend something on a, a feature or an activity or a promotion or whatever, if you can find out how many eyeballs are looking at it, I mean, Jonathan, you probably bring in some stories from journalism where that's the way you measure things, right? Yeah, so, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I don't think anyone has any issue with analytics in general. Uh, but Apple's been pretty careful to prevent cross app tracking. Uh, and, and this is a way to enable that. Well, th- and this like. is kind of triangulating where somebody is, right? Kind of thing. Like they're using multiple points of data, as Jaime was explaining, right? To figure out I'm the guy that uses the Facebook and the t- TikTok and whatever from this particular IP or this particular region of Canada, right? I think it's less interesting for like their one particular app. So to Mark's point, like if you literally just do use their app, okay. But uh, everybody here, as far as I'm aware um, of the listed ones, I think they all have analytics SDKs for using some other Mm -hmm. app that is completely unrelated to that social media company. You might still be using an app that is using an SDK. And Mm. as we like to do here on the show, you know, think really long and hard about developing an app that uses these things. Yes, a lot of these things are really interesting, convenient for your app, but you are also uh, indirectly participating in this sort of thing that's going on. Yeah, I think it's the nature of technology, the way it's been, is that people don't think about the ethics, or they don't, the ethics isn't the first thought, right? Um, first, you want to make this cool little feature, and then, you know, you, you may trip over some, you know, privacy issue, right, or privacy data. I, I heard a podcast talking about that just today. Interesting stuff. And I think, didn't you guys hear that there was some, again, with the Google Chrome and something that they were doing that they should not be doing? I heard that the other day, but uh, I just shake my head because I try not to use Chrome as much as I can. Not sure in particular what, but uh, the longer term elimination of third party cookies, uh, tracking cookies like the Googles, the Facebooks, the Twitters, et cetera, the world we use. Chrome has been pushing an alternative for that. Um, I'm not an expert on this particular area, but there are folks that say that just pushes more power and consolidates more of it in Google, the large ad-serving company who makes the Google Chrome browser. And given that Google Chrome effectively is uh, web browsers, except for the one island called Apple Safari, it's kind of troubling for the longer term. I think that might be what you're talking about. Unless something else has happened and I'm behind on the news. Well, here, let, let me let me read this. this. I just found a link that may be what I'm talking about. Google to push forward with Chrome tracking protection 
2024, which sounds good. Um, so they're testing a controversial new tracking protection feature. I mean, yeah, maybe that's what it is. They're, they're because I think like Apple, they're going to try and re- give users the ability to restrict what information can be captured about you, you, you using your device, right? Cool. All right. So we move on to the main thing. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, so starting off with, with the, I think the, uh, I saw a bit of the interview with, or actually saw all of the interview with Tim Cook on ABC News the day of the announcement. Like a couple of friends of mine from, from Europe who were posting, they went to New York to, to the, um, the Cube, which is the, the base of, um, for the Central Park, um, where the Apple store is. I've been there once before, but that's where the big sort of rollout was. And, and Tim Cook showed up and he was, you know, shaking hands with people, you know, and they did the whole sort of iPhone thing where they, you know, they, they cheered the first guy walking out with the device, with the box, I should say. And, um, you know, so a couple of friends, friends of mine, Paul Hudson was there that day and a few friends from, from Sweden were there. And actually one of the, one of the ladies, Sophia, she got featured in Apple's press release, you know, cause she was one of the first people to, to uh, get a device. Um, but Tim Cook said on the, on, they asked like a couple of questions, the ABC, uh, interviewer and I'll get his name in a bit, but, uh, he, uh, asked him like, why is it so expensive? And, and Tim Cook said, well, this is like, you know, I mean, clearly it's millions of dollars worth of development or even billions of dollars worth of development went into this as Carol told me this morning. Um, the, uh, the, that this is, this is the culmination of like, he, in terms of it, he said, he said it's tomorrow's technology today is what they've put into this device. And so. I think it's an amalgamation, as we can all agree, that a lot of engineering has gone into this, and and it's sort of a forward-thinking device. So this, they're calling this the, the iPhone moment, in in a sense that, and that's what I've been telling people in my in my talks on uh, why you should learn VSN OS is is that this is just the beginning of this whole paradigm of of spatial computing. Hopefully, it does get smaller, and you know, I imagine at some point in time that we'll we'll have a chip in the back behind our ear, and because they've got the OS, they don't. And we don't need screens at that point, right? They can just feed the data right into our brain, right? So, and I think Musk is working on something now. I think so. Say that, but so yeah. So, what do you guys think of this idea of the i the Vision OS or Vision Pro being having a not quite as big as the iPhone in terms of paradigms, but definitely a shift in the way we're using this a mixed media, I guess mixed what do you call it, XR mixed reality well i think there's a lot of promise as you said uh i think it's really early on um i don't think even like v2 or v3 is going to be anything close to like what you were just talking about uh you know it's still pretty well i haven't used one myself but but as my understanding is it's still pretty big and bulky and heavy and and it's you know it's not as magical as 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 you'd like uh but you know, it's the first one. So right. it's, it's a, it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint to use a, use a commonly used uh, phrase. Sure. Yeah. I mean, from my perspective, I mean, it, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of what you expect. I mean, cause we, we've, thankfully we've had, like we always say leading Apple leads from behind, right. That, you know, we've had the Oculus, we've had the magic leap. A lot of people said this wouldn't be here if it wasn't for magic leap. Um, you know, we've had all the various VR devices, you know, where you have to hold the haunt wands in your hand and stuff like that. What's unique about this is is using the eye tracking and the, the your your own hands for navigation. That's kind of a unique thing, I think, right? Um, but yeah, it it feels pretty magical. And and I don't know. I mean, like, yeah, it it does. It weighs about maybe about as my, as much as two iPhones is kind of how I've sort of always equated it. 
What did you think, John? Did you find it super heavy or? I didn't. I mean, I think I only used it for about a half an hour. Uh, so obviously it would be the difference between I'm using it for a short window of time versus I want to, you know, use it for my work day as a, a replacement for my laptop, or I want to use it for the purposes of entertainment. I want to, you know, watch the, the football game and I want to have, you know, my social media and all that other stuff going simultaneously. If I'm wearing it for three, four hours in the evening, would it be less comfortable? Probably. I don't think it was, uh, initially I didn't, again, I'm a tall, strong person, so I didn't have an issue with it, but I could see how it wouldn't necessarily be an optimal experience given its size and weight for everyone. That being said, it was, um, it was an interesting experience and it's, you know, I, I, to your, to your idea, Tim, of the iPhone moment of this, that, you know, I think we talked about that earlier, that that was kind of my impression of it was, it was very much like that first moment when, when you dropped an iPhone in my hand. And up until that point, all I'd had in my pocket was, you know, the old stereotypical Nokia, right? And, you know, yes, the Nokia could do a couple things, uh, you know, it could take a, take a, pretty terrible photograph it could you know hey, play a snake little game was play awesome a, man. play a little snake game if you felt like you <laughs> wanted to but i remember yeah. when you were like watch this i can fire up the internet and check the movie times and i was like okay that's major difference and you know just all, oh and by the way it also replaces my ipod and oh by the way it's got the camera built in and oh by the way it's got this it was kind of like that as you and i were doing a walkthrough where you're like okay check this part okay now check this part check how this app works and it's not just the moment it's where your mind if you're a creative person your mind immediately is like oh not yet but i can see where this can go i can see this being very uh very much something that's progressive and uses this technology in really interesting ways. That being said, you know, even just holding it, I was, you know, like, oh God, don't drop it. Oh God, don't drop it. Yeah, 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 <laughs> like, yeah. as, you know, wearable tech is an, is an interesting advancement in, you know, the human experience. This is obviously sort of at this point, kind of the pinnacle in that, you know, it can do so much, but like, I wouldn't leave the house with it. <laughs> not, not i mean I, there are times and i found myself in situations where i'm like damn i wish i didn't have my iphone with me let alone the you know the the wearable technology somebody comes along and clunks you on the head and you know yeah that's that's not good but it's um yeah it's it's a really interesting experience and i can see so much potential in it it's just a matter of how quickly can the costs come down how quickly can the apps you know leap how do they get people to buy in I mean, it is Apple, so they can market the heck out of it. But yeah, how do they get people uh, short of, you know, you mentioned you can go into the Apple store, you can try it out. OK, that's one thing. Sure, I can go into the Best Buy and try out the new video game system, too. Like, is that really the same thing? And, you know, I went into work on Monday after trying it with you on Sunday and saying to my co colleagues, you know, hey, this was a really cool experience. If you get a chance when it comes to Canada, you should totally check it out. So word of mouth will carry them a certain distance. But, you know, everybody who I've talked to said the same thing. They're like, oh, how much does it cost? And when you outlay, you know, the costs you know, in American dollars, which translates to Canadian dollars, you're like, okay, it's gonna be about five grand. People are like, forget that. Well, mm -hmm. yeah. How do you, how do you clear that? How do you get around that? Well, I mean, you can equate it, you can equate that cost factor to like the first plasma TVs or the first, you know, a large screen LCD, what are they, LCD screens we have now? Um, TV screens, right? Like, like the sort of, the, not everybody went out and bought a plasma screen, but a few, a lot of people did, right? 
but I want to circle back on one of the things you said about taking it out of the house. Um, so I went to a client meeting with it yesterday, and Carol says, you're not going on the transit with that. <laughs> Here's mm-hmm. the car keys, right? You're driving. So it's just and wait, wait, driving. It, driving was safer. You mean not while no, wearing no, no, it? Though, not right? wearing <laughs> it. I hope no, yeah. no, not not wearing it. Not not carrying it around with me. Like it's it's the the carry case is about the size. Like it fits in the in the HomePod bag. Like you know that like when I don't know if you, you guys have seen the box. I've got the box behind me. It's like the box has got to be eighteen inches by twelve inches by ten inches. It's huge. Like it's bigger than a bread box, right? Um, but when you put, when you get the, the carry case that, that Apple's selling, um, it kind of, it, it, it fits in there nicely and it's padded and stuff, but it's the size of a home pod. It's, it's pretty much like a football. Well, you saw the picture I posted earlier today, climbing on LinkedIn, right? Um, it's, it's, yeah. it's not petite, right? Um, but I mean, she's like, you know, you're not, you know, I think obviously I'd be like painting a target on myself if I got on the, you know, our public transit with that. Right. So you know, she gave me another backpack to put it inside because I don't have a backpack that's big enough to to hold my Mac and this. I mean, that's there's a market idea right there for somebody making backpacks, right? <laughs> well, I also have the original bags that the first Macs came in because the first oh, yeah, I remember those Macs. Yeah, they're, they're, people said they were portable. Well, you used to take your classic to, to around with you, didn't you, John? When you first had it, occasionally, yeah, I had a I had a Mac Classic too, I think, and. Um, it, you know, portable's a relative term. It weighed 20 pounds or 25 pounds. But inside the bag, you could actually, like, if I needed to, you know, move it around like a briefcase, it probably could have been a better design with some wheels on it or something so I didn't have to carry it or strap <laughs> it on my back. But, yeah, I, I would take it, you know, back and forth if I needed to go home for a stretch, uh, you know, back to your place and do some work versus if I needed to, you know, have it at school or whatever. So, in theory, it was portable. It was it was a bit of a haul, yeah, it's another thing we don't talk about Apple wheels at all because Apple charges a lot for wheels. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it'd be interesting. I, I think it's, I think it's a, um, it, like, yeah, it's, it's kind of like the Apple TV when it first came out. Like, you know, like I'm, I'm, sp- I spent the money on it, and you know, well, what I, was the I price guess, point of that? Well, yeah, the Apple TV was 150 bucks. Yeah, that's very the different. thing. Yeah, but at the, time, at the time, no, I mean, you were talking about the very first one, right? Was that 150 bucks? I think it was 200. Well, yeah, it was okay, 200. Okay, 200. It's still a massive still, difference. Still, yeah. Even, yeah, even given mean, the time difference, it's a massive difference. What was well, the cost of the original iPhone, Tim? Do you remember? Uh, it was 599 um, US, I think, right? Because when when the iPhone first came out, people were like, "What? It's that much money? No way! I can get a phone for 99 dollars." Don't you remember? Like the phone, the phone, the iPhone was expensive. I remember, like, a friend of mine went to. California and brought one back for me. And I remember having to shell out 500 bucks or at least, and it was Canadian anyway. But no, actually at the time, at the time, the Canadian dollar was worth more than the American dollar. So, um, but yeah, that was, a, it was about 500. You had a Mark, you had a first phone, didn't you, Mark? Back no, I didn't get one until the year after. Okay. But it was still, but, it was um, not a cheap dice, right? It was expensive. Yeah. It, 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 I'm thinking on the order of 500 bucks. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I remember when they crossed over a thousand, that was sort of a, psychological big deal at the time and but that was a few years later so quickly tim uh so in that same vein as you were saying about the phones if you showed this to someone what what's your response if you say if they say well i can get a meta quest for 700 bucks or 600 600 (laughs) bucks like i realize they're not apples and it's not apples apples comparison but i think that's where a lot of people who aren't necessarily as in the know on tech as, as you know, you three are would 
that would be their go-to, right? Like, well, if I can get a VR headset for 600 bucks, why would I spend, you know, 4,000? So I, so I showed it to an award-winning Canadian filmmaker yesterday, right? Who has the Vive, he has the Quest, he's, got, he's done all the three stuff before. Um, and he, because, you know, he knew I was getting this thing and we, were, we arranged to have a meeting when I got back. And um, his review was, yes, it's, it's you know, it's, it's similar in a lot of ways than the, to the other devices in terms, of, in terms of how it feels to wear and things like that. But he said, it is, he said it's better, like technology wise, quality of screens wise, thought out OS, you know, uh, intuitiveness, it, what better than the other ones he's tried. And so he's, he's a person in a position who's tried, he's got the, 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 the Vive Pro and the Quest Pro and all that kind of stuff. Right. And him, he said, this is, this device is better than that. So, which I thought was interesting. I've not tried those. So I can't, you know, the only one I've ever tried was, was the, just in the summer before I went to, um, before I even knew I was going to see, get a chance to try this thing back in August. Um, I tried the, the Quest Two, I guess, or the which the which is the one the, the Facebook one, the the Meta one. Is that Oculus? Quest? Well, I, they bought Oculus, so it's Meta Quest, okay. is what they're calling it now. Yeah, so I tried that one in the summer, thinking, well, this is coming because WWC had been had already been announced, and so it was like I had a time period where I could try. I think it was early August I tried it, and it was okay. I mean, it was I, I have Google Cardboard. I've tried that. I've been doing three D, you know, graphics for forever, and I've been doing. Like I was doing 3D graphics on the old Mac 2s back in the day, right? So we, we, you'd set something up and you'd set it to render and you'd come back two days later to see if it finished yet, right? And you didn't do anything else with your Mac when it was doing it. Just let it cook, right? But um, yeah, so so let's talk about the price for a minute. So um, my order, I ordered the middle middle, middle model, the 512, right? Um, and I got the carry case, which is I think 199 US and then... Uh, and I also bought AppleCare. AppleCare is four ninety nine, which is painful uh, when you convert it into Canadian. Um, and uh, that may be a dangerous sign that they know this thing is fragile. Yeah, well, there, somebody did. Uh, I was a little annoyed to see that somebody actually did a drop test, and he like he really went at it. He dropped it like mm-hmm. twelve feet before it actually broke. So, so the screen's mm-hmm. got like a, okay. a plastic front, and and the, um, does that I cover the lenses did, as well? The custom lenses. Yeah. Oh, you mean the Zeiss things? Yeah. I technically, from from my reseller days, anything that's on the in on the order that you buy the Apple Care with is usually covered. Okay. Right. Okay. So it should it probably should cover the you know the the device itself, the the straps, the the interfaces, the carry case, and and the battery that comes with. And what else did I get with this one? This order. Yeah. So that's that's pretty much that was the order, right? And. And oh, and the the device lenses were were one forty nine or one hundred forty dollars US, right? Still, that's another story. We'll get into that in a minute. But um, so that uh, invoice with New York State tax, which I think is I want to say eight um, percent, came to just forty nine hundred dollars US, right? But when I was there, I bought a second uh, light shield. Um, I, I measured Carol's face before I went, and Carol, by the way, Carol and Xavier have the same size face which is great so i bought a an extra lens an extra light seal for her which is 199 and i bought a second battery because i have a puppy and he tends to chew cables so i didn't want to you know risk not having a second battery in hand because like, none of this stuff i can get in canada if i if i didn't buy it when i was in the states it wasn't you know I, I, it'd be unobtainium until we'll talk about in the next story we're going to cover in a minute but so and then of course i had to pay uh canadian uh, import tax when i got to the border right so 
by the time all said and done, I'd probably just spend about seven grand Canadian on this thing. So that's expensive, <laughs> you know, so probably like, so yeah, I spend another $500 roughly in, in accessories. So I probably spent 5,500 bucks US on this. That's yeah, 1 million Canadian dollars. That's a lot of Tim Hortons coffees and a bunch of Timbits, right? So, yeah. But, you know, it's, um, yeah, at this point in time, like as you guys have mentioned before, I'm sort of at the forefront of Vision OS and I'm writing about it. I'm, you know, writing courses on it. I'm doing talks on it. You know, I'm working as a Vision OS engineer these days. Um, so it makes sense for me to have one. But for the average, like, and I showed it to a friend of mine in marketing yesterday, and I showed it to another photographer friend, and and they're not, you know, they're not lightweights in terms of buying equipment or spending money, but they would say, you know, it's, they're not going to buy it just yet, they, they, unless you have a, a need for it. Yeah, um, I mean, I think outside of the the tech world, or or and potentially outside of the gaming world, yeah, I think probably ninety percent of the people don't even know it exists, and yeah. you know, maybe they heard about it the day it happened, and then they forgot already. Yeah, I don't think it's it's nearly that pers- pervasive uh, outside of our circles. Well, I, but I remember the same thing around the iPhone. I mean, when the yeah. iPhone first yeah. came out, I mean, I remember the first day I saw an iPhone in Canada. It was like at a at a Dweezil Zappa concert, and somebody came up from Buffalo to see him play, right? And he was walking by me with an iPhone in his hand. I'm like, hey, that's cool. Um, and I remember going to WWDC in, in, or going to the States. You know, I went to Seattle, and I went to... Um, you know, I went in 2010, you know, I went, I was, yeah, I was going back and forth to Mac world and stuff like that in the early days. And I would walk around San Francisco and nobody had an iPhone. Like you wouldn't, you know, uh, nobody had iPods either. Like, like people had them, but they didn't walk around with them right now. If you go, as you know, if you go on public transit, everybody's got a smartphone in their hand. Even homeless people have smartphones, you know? Yeah. No, well, no in 2010, if you walked around with your iPhone visible, it was going to get stolen in San Francisco. You know, that was... <laughs> So, that was that was probably so that was part, part of, of part of the calculus yeah. exactly. Yeah. Like if somebody yeah. saw the white headphones, white headphones. They because yeah, there was happening up here too. People were were you know beating up kids and taking their their home pods or iPods away from them. Right? Yeah. No, definitely. And and you know, I mean, that's why now we have you know what is it the the lock protection that Apple puts on the devices and they can brick them from wherever. Right. So to find my you know to find my technology. Anyway, I just want to talk about this next story since we kind of led into it, and that is that um, the it's kind of good news for Jonathan and myself, I suppose, is that um, the the international release dates have been announced, or not announced, sorry, they've been leaked, uh, and it looks like Canada, China, the UK, and places like that will probably get um, these by sometime in May, so... Uh, and, and that said, like there were a bunch of, show, bunch of them showed up on Facebook Marketplace too. Like if you really wanted to have um, one and you don't want to go to the States, you can get one more or less for around the money that I spent on it. So, so there, you know, there's probably about four or five of them in, in Facebook Marketplace today, right? Um, but yeah, so that's good news. That looks like, you know, um, UK, Canada, they're probably, well, French, French localization is not going to be difficult for them. China, uh, France, Germany, um, Hong Kong, Japan, Korea, Australia will be getting them, you know, probably before the summer, right? I mean, it makes sense, um, both in terms of like the markets they'd be choosing and from the joke we always make in that for the United Kingdom and for the English speaking part of Canada, they just add these superfluous U's 
to their translations and then they got to <laughs> add the French part for, for Canada. And then you're like halfway there to get the uh, French for France part. So don't, don't forget the REs for the ERs too. We do a lot of yeah, the, the, the yeah. REs instead of the ERs at the end of words. <laughs> yeah. And all that extra storage is why they made the one terabyte model, right? For the extra use and stuff. Yes. That's the Quebecois model. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, it makes sense. Obviously, you don't want too long a period to go before you expand to those markets, and those ones make a lot of sense. I guess the question is, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's going to be a great moment where you can walk in and demo it at the at the Apple Store. But when you see what's the you know what's the translation for for what you put in as far as cost, Tim, to to Canadian dollars, and if people know that it's a yeah six grand price tag, you're yeah, right seven seven, seven. Yeah, yeah you're going to get you're going to get the people who are you know the early adopters, the major tech heads for sure. You're going to get developers who you know want to get their hands on it, uh, and obviously the extremely wealthy but it's it's not a populist item it just isn't and and it won't be for the foreseeable future as a matter of fact it will be you know in the same way that having an iphone was 15 years ago it'll be a status thing uh i saw a video the other day of you know they were talking about how they're popping up in public spaces they showed a video on social media of a young man sitting on a uh, new york city subway using it and somebody was filming him gesturing and stuff like that and, and it's, of course it's been used in a mocking sense oh this looks ridiculous or whatever um i don't know that i'd wear mine on the new york city subway system but uh, teach their own uh but i saw somebody wearing one courtside at an nba game on sunday yeah. and, and i thought <laughs> well that's an interesting way to approach this you know and and again maybe what they had was the the box score up so they could keep track of the game while they're while they're watching the game live or maybe there's an in arena function already i don't know but uh it, it's it's just they just be, want it to be seen well, that <laughs> too, that yeah. too. Yeah. But it's, uh, yeah, it's just, it's really, it feels like this is going to be a slower burn than what we're used to with Apple products, right? Apple products are usually, as you say, Tim, like people lined up around the block and, and there's a known quantity to it. This one, A, it's an unknown quantity and B, it, yeah, that's just, it's a major price point. It's the most expensive product that they offer, right? Yeah, true. They, they, they did sell 200,000 of them in the pre-sales though, um, which but is a that's lot. That's not that many. No, it's, it's really in grand scheme of things. No, it's not compared to iPhones. They, you know, iPhones they must sell millions in a day right, when they first come yeah. out, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. And, and looking at the scale, right? Like you know, it's the inkblot test, the Rorschach test of what people want to write. Uh, as far as we know, and we won't know really until Apple, if they talk at all, during their quarterly results about uh, the quarter that covers. Apple Vision Pro, 200,000, they probably sold out or got really close to selling out of what they had. Um, mm -hmm. 200,000 units times 3,500 US, you know, that's about $700 million. That is huge if you are any other company that isn't named Apple. Uh, for Apple, it's like the couch cushions change at, at Steve Jobs or Tim Cook or somebody who's been there long enough to ride the the stock roller coasters house, mm -hmm. but it's not like a, a thing to, to sniff at either. Given that as you all are sort of poking it here, like a lot of folks are going to compare this to like, well, what, how does this compare to like the meta quest, the Oculus quest? It's like, well, it's kind of like comparing a Volkswagen Jetta and a Ferrari. Like that right. Jetta yeah. is $21,000. I'm looking at their website right now. And Ferraris, according to car and driver, they start around 240 K. So when you're, when you're, 
thinking about this, think about what people are looking at these things for. Do well, this one does the same thing. Why is it more expensive? But like, I guarantee you that Ferrari does fewer things than the Volkswagen Jetta. The things it does really well <laughs> does way better. Yeah, no the are probably much better in the Jetta, actually. Yeah, it's got four, four, yeah. you know, four doors, <laughs> four seats. Yeah. Um, you can actually put stuff in the trunk, but boy, it's not going to have that performance and and the cachet and other things. So, yeah, um, I, I think to folks' point, like, is this version uh, going to be the one that that shocks the world? I was like, well, it's really hard to to have iPhone be the the, the standard iPhone is a, is a, is a global history changer. iPad nowhere near as much, uh, Apple watch nowhere near as much. And yet those are market leaders in their segments. This so far, it seems like it probably will be even at its expensive price, the market leader in its segment. Um, and it does critically say pro in the name. And I know they've sometimes used that to mean, give us more money. <laughs> That's why it's pro. <laughs> Uh, as I sit here with my iPhone 15 pro, but I think it should be a hint that like, you shouldn't think of these as stocking stuffers and you get, get one for each of the kids in the family for the holidays, right? Like yeah. you're, you're investing in this as a, as an early adopter or part of your job, or just cause you want to try out cool new tech and perhaps someday it will be like the Apple watch that I think that would be a pretty good success. Remember that first mm-hmm. watch came out. We were like, what the heck is this for? Kind of took a, a while for it to, to get its uh, feet settled underneath it. And now it's like, oh yeah, look, everybody's wearing a darn Apple watch. Not literally everybody, but like it is so common now, it's not even unusual to see them out there in the field. It has found a place. This I think will probably find a place, although don't know what it is. Cause if I did, I wouldn't tell anybody here, I would go invest in the companies that are going <laughs> <laughs> to do all the cool stuff. Right. 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 Cool. One thing I wonder about is you, you mentioned that seven hundred million dollars that they're that Apple's making revenue on this thing, assuming they sell them all at full price, right? Uh, I wonder how much margin they get on that. How much is, of that is actual profit versus just cost of cost of goods and whatever? And this thing's probably pretty expensive to make. And I, yeah. I bet you, I bet you, they're not keeping that much of that thirty five hundred dollars at this point. It's a, I bet you, it's a loss leader to to get people hooked for the next for the v2 v3 i mean they may make a little bit of profit but but i bet you it's not much yeah another typical 30 to 40 percent margin something much thinner than that oh much thinner than that yeah i would think much thinner than that I think the comparison to the Lost Leader is a good one, too. Like, essentially, what this is is a brand building thing, right? They are going to sell them to tech heads. The tech heads are going to tell each other about it. They're going to sell them to rich people. The rich people are going to consider them status symbols. So every rich kid's kid or every rich guy's kid is going to want one. And then it's going to be a thing. So then it's going to come raise the cachet. So, yeah, I mean, at this point, it's it's basically a sunk cost and a good one for them, right? Yeah, right. and, and right. typical typical of Apple, they've they've put this they've put the technology in our hands, and we come up we come up with the ideas and and make it into something that's compelling, right? Um, we're going to talk a little bit about applications in a few minutes, but you know, in nothing, I mean, seen, I've seen some things that blew me away. And we're going to talk about that off the top of this next section, but as far as app goes, apps go, I've not really seen any app that's kind of gone, oh my god, I can't believe that was didn't exist before today kind of thing right so i just want to get your perspective so the thing that the iphone was was a killer of the 
iPod and it was a killer of the cell phone, right? It essentially combined those two things. And, you know, obviously it amalgamated other things, you know, pocket-sized cameras, other devices and stuff like that. But really the two things that it disrupted the most were were an MP3 player and yeah. a phone. Those were the right. two things that just essentially it just wiped them out of the market. You couldn't just have a regular phone and you couldn't just have an, uh, an MP3 player. Yeah, it also woke, what wiped out the WAP oh, browser. Remember the WAP browser? Because uh, on BlackBerry, you could go on the internet, but it was like a text-based kind of experience. It wasn't really... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the, the browser was a big thing too. So if that was that and that was the game-changing thing for that, then I want to put it to the three of you. What is this the thing? Like, what is this going to replace? And I know... Tim, obviously, you've got some strong opinions having had it on your face, but, you know, does it kill the laptop? Does it kill the desktop? Does it kill your television set? Does it kill your, you know, like, what is it that this thing replaces that makes it worth that value? As you said, Tim, plasma TVs were stupid expensive when they came out. Now you can get a decent, you know, flat screen LED TV or a OLED or whatever for a reasonable amount of money. If you suddenly didn't have to replace your next TV because you have this, if you suddenly didn't have to replace your next laptop because of this, maybe it's worth it, right? Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good question. Uh, I, I wonder if it will ever replace TVs because part of watching TV is the social aspect of it, right? You, have, you want the big TV in the room with, with the whole family around, gathered around, I guess. I mean, maybe people don't do that as much anymore, but there's some, there's some of that well, still sports, going on. Sports events. So you guys are all going to get sports together events. and watch the Super Bowl next weekend, right? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so I, I think the target is, is the laptop to me. That's the target. Now, whether it actually works, whether it actually makes it is a good question. The, the, the laptop has some advantages. You can take that with you into a meeting, right? And then that's kind of, that's probably the, the original advantage of the laptop was business travelers. You could carry it around with you, use it in the hotel, take it to the meeting and whatnot and pop it open in the meeting and, and uh, and it's there for you. It's it's sort of hard to see going to a business meeting, especially if you're visiting like a customer that you're trying to impress. It's hard to see going to a meeting and popping this thing on where they can't see you anymore. But but that's that hold that thought because you can right. You can't see it in 3D. But one of the one of the cool things that I was doing yesterday was if you have an Apple TV in the room, you can broadcast to the Apple TV so they can see what you're seeing on the screen. Although we did establish there's some limitations on that. I'm, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just the, the personal interaction mm-hmm. of, you know, you're, you're walking into, you're a, let's say you're a, a sales engineer walking into a room trying to meet the client or the customer and you're going to try to sell them something. Uh, are you going to put this thing on? No, because they can't look you in the eye. Yeah, now. that's true. And, and that's true. you're going to lose that sale as soon as you do that. Now, Okay, maybe that mode of interacting will break down. I mean, especially if you know we're we're, we're into a more you know remote working, more online video world. But mm-hmm. but I still think we lose a lot of that stuff. So it's it's I don't know if it's going to replace the laptop so easily for everyone. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm like the one killer use case because I I think similar to Mark, uh, I was going down the remote working route where mm-hmm. you can have. Larger screens, screens that are you know, set up the particular way that you want, um, and for remote working, it'd be great to be like, I don't know, man, let me just you know, let me have your screen. I'm going to look at it. Okay, I'm looking at my screen. Oh, okay, I see what's going on here, and then interact that way. That's less of a uh, of a working in person and, and salesy kind of thing. I also think that um, 
media consumption, not in the uh, the Super Bowl or bring everybody over kind of thing, but with things like, um, ooh, what is it called? Like share play and synchronization. Mm-hmm. Like I was thinking like, hmm, so if we wanted to enjoy something together in my household, both me and my significant other would need to have one and then it would need to sync up together. So we're watching the same thing at the same time mm-hmm. in the same wonderful immersive experience, but... Uh, you know, not like, oh, she's 30 seconds ahead for some reason, right? Like, that would be irritating. She'd be like, oh, what? I was like, what? What are you talking about? Oh, okay, okay, I see what you're talking about. Like, like you don't have that when you have the large screen that everybody can gather around. But some of the, the media experiences, even just the, oh, look, it's like having a big uh, theater to yourself. That seems pretty interesting. And I also think for people who are, uh, you know, single, uh, live on their own, I could see it being a thing that can help change the perspective of like, well, yep. So I've got this tiny little uh, closet that I live in, in New York city in, in Manhattan. And my window opens to a brick wall, but just like that black mirror episode, that's okay. Cause when I look out that window, I see Tahiti and right. my office is seemingly, and they showed this in like the Apple walkthrough, uh, like the 10 minute walkthrough. It's like, Oh look, uh, I'm here on this mountaintop at uh, like dusk or something. And, and that's my, my view as I'm, as I'm working in safari or working in other things. Like I think those sorts of things will be useful in isolation and in some limited pairing. I don't know how that will work on mass or with larger groups, but at least for those, that's, uh, so many of us are commonly staring at our phones or our uh, our iPads or maybe our MacBooks. How is this that different than that? Maybe not. So maybe it ends up filling in nicely for those things that we already have devices for. To me, I mean, like, because I've worked with it and I've, I've had a chance to experience it and, and I've had like three, three or four days with it already, like 24-7 kind of thing, access to it. Um, you know, I... The first thing I wanted it for as a developer was, was um, you know, I was working with a, a test device previously, and I ran, I, I published an app on Vision OS that was available on day one, but um, I, until I actually was able to run the, the the code itself and look at it on the actual device, I'm surprised at how different it is between the simulator and actually running your code on, on this thing, especially with RealityKit. It's amazing, like, you don't get a sense of the scale of an object you're creating in, in virtual space until you can actually render it in the real world. I'm doing air quotes, right? But um, so this one particular interface, like I had a ratings uh, thing where you could rate something, you know, with five stars or whatever, but I had made the stars too small that you couldn't select them with the with the device on. So I had to go in on the Vision OS. I had to bump up the size to 60 points and then publish it to the to my own device. So I turned on developer mode, got that going went into the the device, you know, brought it up on, like, brought it up, brought Xcode up on my, my Mac, shared it to this device. So I've got, like, now my X, my Mac looks like it's got a 4K display on it. Made the change in Xcode, ran it to, and routed, instead, of, instead of running it to the simulator, ran it to the device so I could actually see the app loading in front of me as, as if it would, if you got it from the store. You know, tested the bug, realized I'd fixed it, and then I basically went logged, opened up Safari on the device, went onto the app, developer.apple.com, opened up my app, you know, submitted my change, you know, and put it into review. So I was able to do all of the stuff that I would normally do on a Mac with this with the headset using my fingers and my. I didn't even have a keyboard. I was using the the virtual keyboard itself. So I was able to actually do work. And and 
you know, what I've been doing all day long was kind of, um, I'm actually writing an article right now. I haven't, I haven't gotten, I haven't got the, I, I did actually get vision or VS code running on my Mac on this, on this device. I had to make the font bigger because, you know, if it's a 4k screen and everything's tiny on it. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm able to like send emails, write slacks. I, by the way, just we shared uh, Google Docs uh, for the show notes for this this episode, and I entered a whole bunch of items here which we're talking about right now um, on the Vision Pro, right? But Google Docs hasn't released an app, or Google, for clear reasons, hasn't released an app for Vision OS. So I'm not working natively. I'm working on a Safari browser, and this is the first time I had difficulty entering text on anything in Vision OS in the last three days, right? So. I really struggled with this. And eventually I just picked up my phone and did it on my phone. It was so frustrating. But because, you know, you, you can actually, when you're typing, you can actually pinch to k- pick up the cursor and move it to where you want on the page. I think the, the virtual keyboard needs arrows, like, you know, the arrow keys that we have on our keyboard so you can navigate around up and down and left and right. That, that's one thing that's missing on the keyboard. But um, yeah, I'm using it. I'm using it for work. I mean, like, um, I'm sitting in the kitchen, you know, with, I can bring up my Mac screen. With the Mac, you still have to use your trackpad and your keyboard, but everything else I'm doing using my hands. I've got like, you know, I can keep a, I've got a friend of mine, which I'll talk about in my picks, made a little utility. I can keep an eye on the battery. I know what the date and time is. You know, I can open up different things. And for the purpose of this show, I, I tried out a few of the apps media related to try this, right? So... But let, let me circle back to what happens when you do this. You can book a 20-minute demo at the Apple Store. When we went on Sunday, I, I took, uh, my grandson Xavier came with us. Uh, he's the number one fan of, of SpotCast. You may have heard us mention that before. But he and I went down to, to Rochester to try this thing out. And we got there early enough because we just got through. The border was, waited. the border wasn't too long. We got, got to the mall early. And so I said, well, let's go see if we can get Xavier a demo. So we both ended up getting a 20-minute demo. You, if you buy an app, if you buy the device at the store, you get the 20-minute demo for free kind of thing. But you can sign up. You, we were, they were doing walk-ins the day we were there. So we, we went in, we made an appointment. He got a demo, I got a demo. They, put, they take your glasses, they measure, they give you a proper, they measure your prescription with your glasses, and then they bring you the, the, the device with the Zeiss inserts in, and they run you through a 20-minute demo where you try out uh, a bunch of 3D, there's a 3D movie from Apple where this woman is walking across a tightrope in the fjords in Norway, and it's like, blows you away, right? And then they show you a little, like a five-minute clip of Alicia Keys singing in her studio with her band, and you're like in the room with her, right? And she's like looking right at you as she's singing kind of thing. Um, and they there's a dinosaur interactive where the, the dinosaur comes, you know, right out and so when I show this to people, the first thing I do is sit down with them and I get them to open the dinosaur experiencing it. And, and you, you, you see a butterfly flying towards you. You hold your finger out, right? And it recognizes your finger as an anchor and the butterfly lands on your finger, right? And then the dinosaur comes out and you can stroke the head of the dinosaur virtually. You're not actually touching anything, but, and it reacts to your, your movements, right? So those kind of things, they're hard to describe other than, than what I just did, right? It's, it's a very visceral thing to see this, you know, uh, you know, 15-foot dinosaur come and, and blow a sniff of you and, and chomp at you kind of thing, right? Um, there's a video on the Apple. So the Apple TV shipped a bunch of contact, and that's what kind of one of the reasons we want to have Jonathan on the show. The Apple TV shipped a bunch, Apple TV app shipped a bunch of 3D um, content as well as Disney Plus released a bunch of things, right? So in the, the there's a, like a Rhino um, short 
film clip thing where you, you've got these giant African rhinos and they're like literally right in front of you. Like, you know how you how you can reach out and pet your dog? Well, you could reach out and pet this this uh, rhinoceros. That's how close they are in the, in the video. And it's like mind-altering 3D. It's not like 3D like, you know, when you go to, to the cinema kind of thing, right? Um, so it, that that's sort of really sort of gets to your emotions in terms of like how... The, your eyesight perception and the spatial audio really sells the fact that you're in front of this this creature, it, which is like thousands of miles away in a different time zone and blah, 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 right? So, uh, hard to describe. But as well, Disney Plus came out and they've released a bunch of 3D movies specifically for Vision OS, because, you know, as we know, Disney was was on the stage with at WWC. And so, you know, there's like Black Widow and the the three um, new Star Wars movies, Force Awakens, all the way up to <coughs> uh, Jonathan's favorite, Rise of Skywalker. Um, <laughs> um, Marvel movies are there, like uh, the, the last Marvel movie, the Ant-Man and Quantumania is there. Um, of course, the two Avatar movies are there. Uh, and you can try these out. And, and what Disney's done, Disney's done an interesting thing, because we talked about this before, and Disney and IMAX both did this, where, you know, we, we talk, I think I've talked about the environments where you, you can you can change your surroundings to make it look like you're sitting at Mount, Mount Hood. I think that's in Washington, right, Jaime? Uh, uh, I don't know if the range extends. Mount Hood is in Oregon. Oregon. Okay, so you can so you can you can you're sitting at the edge of the lake. You know that's your that, that reminds you, your desktop that kind of surrounds you, and that's all you see. Or you can go into you can sit on the moon, or you can go to Yosemite. And, and what's interesting about those those environments is they change. Uh, lighting based on the time of day, right? You can have them light all the time, but if you, if it's like an evening, you'll see like an evening view of Yosemite or, or Mount Hood. But Disney and, and IMAX have done the same thing. When you run a Disney movie, you can choose to be in the Disney theater, which is a virtual theater. And it's, you know, it looks like you're sitting in a movie theater. Like looks like the screen is up on the wall and it's huge. In fact, the IMAX app looks like you're at an IMAX auditorium, right? Like you're sitting, you know, in... A center seat in the middle of the theater, um, and the, the surroundings dim away, and all you see is is uh, is a virtual environment. And you're you know, like if you're in a bright room, it's all dark because the, the LED doesn't let the light through. And in fact, the, I mean, you're you're in you're not really seeing what you're seeing. You're when you look through the Vision Pro, you're actually seeing a, a pass through video that's being filmed from outside on the outside cameras, but. Um, so that that experience is kind of cool that like you can actually consume the media like you know when Jonathan and I go to see a movie in IMAX we're sitting next to each other yes we can make comments to each other for all but for all intents and purposes we've got those goofy glasses on and we're looking at a screen in front of us right the difference here is you're not wrestling with the glasses trying to make sure they stay on your head um and you're, you're it's as if you're sitting the only thing's missing is the smell of popcorn and nachos right and a big gulp <laughs> which you can make at home which you can make at home, that's true. So that that's kind of cool. And and so that's the that's the interesting the entertainment side of it. And then of course the NBA app is out, PGA has an app out, um I've forgotten all all the franchises, sports franchise sports franchise sports franchises that have apps out. So they've got like, you know, um supposedly live feed of, of data. You know, when you're when you're watching the, the PGA thing, you can replay shots. Like there's one shot where a guy gets one of the tees at Pebble Beach, he gets a hole in one kind of thing. Um, but in terms of what I was saying earlier about the amount of effort that went into the app, the you, you, I don't know if you guys remember the Diorama app that Apple demonstrated with 
Catalina and uh, uh, I think it was Yosemite. It was kind of like a, a demo app. They, it's like they took that code and just turned it into Pebble Beach, right, kind of thing. And they did a little bit of extra stuff, but they didn't go too far in terms of, like, reinventing the wheel. They just kind of took the code that, I mean, that said, it, there wasn't a lot of documentation from Apple beyond those the demo code. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems, too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In terms of what you could do. So I think a lot of us who have been writing Vision OS have all kind of been leaning on each other to you know, figure out how to make different things happen in, in the operating system. Because some things are, it's very similar to iOS on an iPad, but it's different. Like there are some things that just don't work or not supported. And, and then there are paradigms that don't exist uh, in iOS that are, are available here on Vision OS, right? So in terms of like input, output, I mean, you can, you can, you can dictate to it. It's pretty good. And, and there is a bit of lag between what you say and what the device as far as I, I thought it was all on like on device um Siri. I, th- I think that's what I read somewhere, but I've noticed when I say when I say something, it doesn't quite catch the gist of what I'm saying, but then if I wait like like a, a split second or two, like there's a bit of a lag, it actually does correct and and corrects the the actual phrase that I use, right? So dictation is a bit laggy in that sense. I mean, it's pretty good. Um and keying the keyboard in like if you have to if you have to enter in your passcode or that kind of stuff. Um, you kind of reach out with your index fingers and you poke at the poke at the the numbers and characters and stuff like that, and and they respond. And it's it's a lot better than than the the first couple of times I tried it. Um, that's all I can say about that. But um, you know, and and but you can also look at a letter with your eyes, and you can t- tap your finger and index finger and your thumb together, and that's like clicking the key, right? So I think the coolest thing too, John, you can probably agree with this is like it's it's cool, but it's it's weird, but you look at things rather than using a mouse or a trackpad, right? To select them. The and eye tracking then, stuff, yeah. Yeah, the eye tracking is phenomenal in that sense, right? Yeah, it, it didn't take long to get used to. Uh, you know, you were looking at the at the screen while I was looking in the device. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just, it takes a moment to sort of figure out like, oh, my eyes are my mouse. But once you do, it, it does become intuitive pretty fast. Um uh, although we did realize that you had to set it for uh, left-handed people to really right-handed people, but yeah, it took us a minute to figure out how to. Jonathan's left-handed, so it took us a minute to figure out how to set the controls up for him. But yeah, it uh, it was surprisingly responsive as far as where you're looking. There was some stuff that you know, like uh, and one of the features I think Tim you had pointed out, you have to look above, like pretty much look yeah, to the-, the top to make the the exit menu appear. You have to look down and into the corner. A couple of things. So some things takes a bit of 
regular practice, but it didn't yeah. take long before I think all of us were feeling like, oh, this is this is not wildly challenging. I didn't get a chance to try. I saw my daughter tried the um the keyboard function inside of searching in Google. She she picked it up right away, but she's she's a gamer. She's like always in She is and she's also like she's a native, right? Like she's never lived in a world that didn't have touchscreen, you know, VR, all those things have all been part of her reality. She's 18 years old, right? So it, it's a different I think for 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 people of a certain age, it's going to take a bit more of a learning curve just because it's not intuitive for her. You're right. She just sort of popped it on and was like, oh, I just do this. Oh, I just do this. <laughs> like it was yeah. pretty neat to watch. Um, yeah. But I agree with you, Tim. Like, I think some of those, you know, we, we, we tried a few of the apps together. We tried the um, the dinosaurs, the Alicia Keys. We tried the um, we tried the. Um, PGA app and tried some of the functionality like there's a lot of there there is some very cool things that would make and enhance the enjoyment of other experiences and mm-hmm. it's funny because you know like think about how habits have evolved you know so often now even if you're with your significant other and you're watching something together depending on what it is some things are more immersive and obviously it's a quality issue and everything else but you have your phone out you have your ipad out you have your laptop you've got something on the tv you're chit-chatting but you're also watching something but even when you're by yourself like if i'm by myself i might have a program on where i'm kind of mostly watching but i'll be checking the scores and the games i'll be you know checking my social media or i'll be you know playing playing a little you know a pocket game or whatever that this device kind of just sort of amalgamates those experiences too right you can have all your screens up you can have you know the live tracker of the sporting event off to one side and you can have a movie in front of you and you can have your social feed in another window and you know and as we looked at on like the PGA app, you know, when they're on a hole, it'll give you live updates of like, okay, you just saw this shot. This is actually how it tracked. This is where it landed. This is where the player has to now navigate this, you know, this kind of terrain on the course and stuff like that. It's very cool stuff that you just can't get when you're not in that virtual environment and in that 3D environment, right? Where, you know, you can actually like you know, oh, for lack of a term, pinch and zoom and zoom in and out of these things. And yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot of ways that this will enhance experiences you already like. Yeah. The the other thing that it kind of gets knocked on and and I I tried to write about this back in August, but I got, or September, but I I got told I couldn't do, I couldn't talk about it at that point in time, but pass through video is, is basically, it's like, it, it feels like you're actually, you don't, you don't have, you're looking through a piece of glass, right? Um, admittedly, a frosty piece of glass because everything's a little bit out of focus yeah. because it's not quite 4K. So the, you know, the the icons on the screen and the the lettering on your your browser are crisp or crisp, like you know, really really high res. And yet you look at your hands or you look at the table in front of you or you look at your phone. It's a it's almost like um, well for me because I take if I take my glasses off, it's, it, it's similar to that in that you know. Yeah, kind of have to look at it to get it to 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 really read it, kind of thing, right? Um, it is uh, for me per, actually. Like I've been wearing, it, I've been using it without con without glasses or without contacts because I could wear contacts, but I don't like putting them in and taking them out. But um, and I haven't got my Zeiss lenses. I'm still struggling to the, the my beef right now is I went and got an American subscription as because that's required to get these right now. 
Um, I went to a lens crafter on the day of, and um, I'm not able to upload it to Apple because I keep getting that, you know, something went wrong, please upload again kind of message that we've been getting on the App Store and various other places. I don't know if you guys have come across that, but like it just will not take my prescription and upload it to Zeiss, so kind of annoying. Um, <clears throat> and I've been on support calls about that. Because so the past few like, some okay. validation is saying, wait, but this is a Canadian. What are they doing with no, American No, no, I, I was in the states when I did it. So yeah, no, no, other people are having the same problem because I talked to the I talked to the Apple support people and they they they've acknowledged that there are other people on the call having the same problem. They don't know what it is, but it's clearly their their server problem because that did happen to me a few times when I was trying to up, do updates last month with uh, trying to submit apps to the App Store and, and people were complaining about the app store not being able to upload things today like so it's not just it's not just it's something on apple's end right is is what what the deal is and i've tried different browsers i've tried vpns i've you know, tried it when i was in the states i tried it in canada you know I, i'm almost like if i wish i, I wish i had a windows pc here because i'm tempted to try there but you know because i've tried everything i've tried different browsers and time of day and it's just yeah it's just something something busted on their end um yeah, so the pasture video is, it, it gets a lot of knocks, but it's still amazing. Like, it is so, there's no distortion between, you know, where you think your hand is and where it actually is. Like, if you reach out for something or somebody hands you something, the, the you know, the the focal length on the, the lenses they're using are almost identical to your eyes. So it's very difficult, it's, you know, there may be a bit of lag in some cases, but, or some flickering and that kind of stuff, but. It's it's amazing, really well engineered, right? Like it's they kind of it's it's what you would expect from Apple in terms of what they could have done and what they actually did do is it's sort of above and beyond what you would expect the technology would let them do, right? So that's cool. The one thing though that that I learned this term I learned FOV or field of view. Um, I really hadn't paid attention to that initially, but you know because of the device you're wearing a light shield around you that that's basically black on the inside. And because the the actual device is probably, um, I want to say it's it's about two inches away from your actual eyes. You're looking at a device in front of your eyes, but so you're kind of looking in a tunnel, right? And if somebody hadn't pointed that out to me, I probably wouldn't have been as aware of it as I am now. Um, that you are kind of you kind of have tunnel vision in that sense. Like if you wear glasses, you're kind of looking through you know small lenses in front of your face, but the the black. I think when, what you were saying earlier about going to a meeting, Mark, is that, you know, even if you're in a meeting and somebody's sitting beside you, you're not looking directly at them, but you can sort of see by their body language or their what they're wearing or colors of them, you know, you can you can still pick them up on the side of your eye kind of thing, right? Um, but you're blocked here, like you've got a blind spot in that sense because of the field of field of vision thing. And, and it's funny because some people had said take the, they were talking about taking the light shield off and moving the lenses closer to their face. So just for science, I tried that this afternoon and it actually looks pretty good. I mean, like you can, you can still get away with if I think, you know, Apple's probably done their engineering to figure out the optimal distance between your eyes and the actual uh, screens that you're looking at. Um, but you know, an argument could be made. They could have moved it in a little closer and you'd, you'd have a wider field of vision that way. Right. So, you know, it's not like 180 like we have now or whatever, whatever number we have. Right. And, that said, I heard somebody say, so there's a new version in beta, one, version 1.1 of the OS is out in beta, and people are already saying that the pass-through is better in 1.1, so that remains to be seen. So moving on to the developer mode, um, there's two, two, two issues with developer mode. One is that um, 
the the commercial units that ship were the ones we tried in in the um in uh, the labs in Cupertino, they had the developer strap, which is like a, I think it's two ninety nine for this strap that you replace the side strap, but it's got a USB port on it, so you can plug a USB C cable in directly into your Mac. But otherwise, the way you use this device, the commercial one, the one you buy at the retail store, is you you basically pair to it with your Mac, and you you push your builds from Xcode over the air, and it works fine. I mean. Um, personally, I use, I still tether my, my iPhone and my iPad to my Mac when I'm, when I want to do a build, but you know, you, you've got that network access and that's again, something that they've been, <laughs> had developed for a reason. Um, I think Apple TV, you also have to pair, right? To, if you're pushing builds up to it, but so the, the developer strap at 299 is a bit controversial, but you really don't need it. I mean, short of bricking your, your, your device and having to go into DFU mode, um, the the over-the-air updates is, is quite good, right? So, have you guys you guys saw the posts about the the developer strap at all? It's not called a strap, but that's what we're calling it. <laughs> I I did, and I didn't understand it. I thought it was a joke, you know, because people were yeah. kind of clowning on the the various accessories that you could get for it. I thought developer strap was a joke of some sort. I didn't realize it was like a legitimate useful thing. Well, it is pretty funny to me because I can't order it because my my developer account is definitely Canadian, right? Um, and when I go to the store and try and buy it, it says it, it it was not available to my account because my developer account. So they they definitely are only restricting this access to this developer strap to American uh, developers, which is a bit weird because, like as I mentioned before, I had a whole bunch of European friends who came over and got them, and I know of a couple of other Canadians that drove down and got them as well, right? So. The other the other controversial thing is the personas, right? Um, and what what they what you do with that is you you turn the you hold the device out in front of you and it looks back at you and hopefully you light yourself well and it does a scan of your face and so it builds a a three D model of your face and then it looks at the color of your face and the and your eyes and your you know my in my case my beard and it makes a, an avatar of you that looks pretty close to 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 what you actually look like and so when you appear on a zoom meeting or you appear on a facetime call instead of um appearing as a guy wearing a helmet you know or like a, a ski goggles you appear in this persona fa- uh, uh, facade right and um what's interesting mark is all the jokes that you and i've made over emojis over the years where you've got you can change yourself into like a mouse and Stick your tongue out and eyes wink and all that kind of stuff. That's what this was for, right? Because uh, they because now when you when you open your eyes or you stick your tongue out or you smile or you laugh or you close your eyes, all of that stuff is animated for you because they're tracking your face, right? The cameras are looking at the movement of your lips and the obviously the eye tracking software is looking at your eyeballs, and so they it basically renders what you what you look like. Uh, for all intents and purposes, in this uh, on a call because you're you're obviously you're not available to be on the call because you're got things strapped to your face, right? That's kind of cool. It sounds just a little bit, uh, a little bit creepy, just like a smidge. Yeah, but but by the same token, though, I've I've seen I've seen the uh, the caricature you guys made of me on on the Wii. It looks <laughs> like nothing like me, right? <laughs> well, that's just harsh. Like, it's like an egg with a with a sort of hat on, right? So those those small children worked hard on that. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah, that's cool. Um, but in terms of in terms of apps, it's uh, it's interesting. Like um, there, the, the, at the 
on the release day, there were 600 apps that came out that were available on, on day one. Um, and we all got a letter from, from a VP of marketing or something like that. But um, there, I mean, there's nothing like, uh, other than the apps I talked about, like Disney and IMAX, uh, and there's a few that Jaime's going to, we're going to go through in a bit, but um, there's nothing really leaps off the page in terms of, you know, oh my God, I can't believe we, we live, we, we're living without this yet. Um, I, although I should say that I haven't tried the Black Mirror or the Black Box, you know, um, um, McLeod's app. Uh, he apparently, he went back in and he, he basically took the, the, the ideas he had for Black Box puzzles and made, uh, and they're bubbles that you have to solve, right? And he's got, so he's getting kudos for that. So that's kind of a unique take on an app that I hadn't seen before on, on uh, anywhere, really, because it didn't exist before Vision OS. So that's kind of kudos to him for getting that one out. Um, and of course, YouTube, YouTube not showing up, but we'll talk about YouTube in a minute, not showing up, but there's a couple of apps out there that, that have uh, taken the YouTube approach and built apps for them, right? So that's cool. Um, I talked about the comfort and weight, and the the straps that we had in on, in Cupertino were a little different than what we what we ended up with. Um, there's a strap that goes around the back of your head, and and it's pretty good, but but it, it t- does tend to lean a bit forward. So the the second strap that they came out with the the dual strap, which goes over your head and around the back of your head. Um, that makes it quite comfortable to, to wear. Um, there's a bit of pressure on your, on your cheeks. And I did notice for, for the sake of this episode, um, I kind of just, you know, shook my head a little bit or bobbed my head back and forth to see if the weight really, if I really did notice the weight, because when I'm sitting there, most of the time I'm sitting there with my head is relatively still. Um, I don't really notice the weight other than a little bit of pressure on my cheeks. Um, but yeah, if you, when I, when I bob my head back and forth, it definitely feels like there's some weight there. But that said, I mean, I've been playing hockey for almost 45 years or 40 years or whatever. And when I, I'm a goaltender, so I've always had a heavy helmet on my head. So it's no different. It's, it's actually less, less, less weight than that. But, you know, if you're a football player or, you know, if you're in a bike, you know, um, if you have any kind of head protection you've had in the past, um, you've had heavy things on your head. So um, I don't, I don't find the weight and the bulkiness to be like, you don't really realize that once you get in, when you, when you're in there, I think it's what you're experiencing through your eyes and, and your ears is just so cool that you don't really pay attention to the weight of it. Right. Per se. Do you think you could wear it for a, a work day? Do you think, do you think you could comfortably wear it for seven hours? I, don't, I think I'd have to work up to seven hours. I've probably worn it, you know, I've worn it for quite a bit of time. Um, like I've, I've worn it for like several hours at a, at a stretch, you know, um, like at least three, four hours or I'd say three hours is probably the longest I've gone. I turned on the screen time thing so I can measure because I, I, I haven't found a report anywhere that shows how long, how many like man hours I've used it for kind of thing. Um, but it's actually plugged in right now because I was going to, I was going to throw it on and show you guys the persona if you want to see it. But um, but I, I don't find it too, too heavy, but you do look like a, a goof with it on though. I got to say, <laughs> yeah, it, it, as, as was pointed out earlier, it, it's, it's hard when you can't look someone in the eye and that, that it, it, it is, it's almost like frosted, right? You just, it looks like you're jumping into ready player one. Well, the thing you, thing you didn't see was, was there's a lenticular set of lenticular, um, screens on the outside. Right. And what they do is you, you, again, you do the persona thing where it, it, you turn it and you face, face it towards yourself. So you're filming and it creates a version of your eyes 
that it then projects onto the screen. So when you're like, once you've logged in and it, and it's like, like if you put it on today, Jonathan, it, you would, you would be, you would have my eyes, for example. Right. Right. But, and they, they're, I mean, they're pretty passable. I mean, like they don't, they don't, not super bright because it's a lenticular and that technology isn't too bright, like in terms of like uh, luminescence, but um yeah, for all, uh, you know, I, should, I shouldn't say, I should tell you that my dog was a little freaked out this morning when I put it on and I was had it on for about an hour. He came over and looked at me and he's like licking my hand going, what is wrong with your face, man? <laughs> Maybe because the eyes were freaking him out, but he doesn't like, you know, he doesn't like statues. He doesn't like fire hydrants, you know. Mm-hmm. If a bucket is inverted on the street, he has a, a problem walking down the sidewalk and that kind of stuff, right? So. Like if he if he ran into R two D two he would have serious problems you know. <laughs> <laughs> I I wonder if uh, it's just a matter of time before we start seeing like the add ons for these things you know uh, like uh, like those things you put on your Crocs the uh, the little the little uh, bits of of flare. I wonder if there's going to be flare for this where like you can put on uh, you know the mohawk attachment across the top the uh, the dangly earrings you know just really go to town. Yeah yeah. So and and so I briefly I talked about optical ID. That's the the face ID, touch ID replacement. It is so much cooler. Like you know, with with face ID, you can't be eating a sandwich. You can't be yawning. You know, with with touch ID, you got to make sure you, you store the right finger that you're touching with it. But this, you, yeah, the only the only thing it ever complains to me is if I need to like actually raise it up a bit on my on my face because it, it just needs to be centered and maybe hangs down a bit, but. Yeah, like if it's plugged in and and you've been you've had it on before, you just put it on and it, it wakes up and then does an optical ID scan to make sure you're the same person and uh, away you go. Like it has a guest mode, for example. Like if I want to demo it to somebody else, you can put it in guest mode, and then uh, you have five within five minutes. You just take it off. They put it on, and then it goes into guest mode and it does it does all the sort of uh, calibration of the eyes and and the hands and stuff like that for them. And then when they take it off, it comes out of guest mode and goes back into being your Vision Pro, Vision Pro again, right? So, and then what we were talking about before was there's two things about mirroring. So you can mirror, you can you can have the display of your screen appear on an Apple TV or an iPad or a Mac, um, so people can see what you're looking at and what you're talking about. They really can't get the sort of three dimensional spatial uh, feeling that you have, like. Like if you reach out and turn, you're pointing to a screen to your left. They don't get the idea that this big giant, you know, ten foot window is hanging there, right? They they can see that you're looking at it, but they don't get the sort of sense of scale, right? It's funny because I was just before the call, I was, te- you know, checking out the Disney app, checking out the IMAX app. Um, I had like uh, I have a camera upstairs so I can watch the dogs up in the living room i had my i had pi day countdown running counting down to pi day 35 days left to pi day um i had the setting screen i had you know slack open and had these windows surrounding me and they were probably like you know filling the entire room like 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 huge screens right um and then yesterday it was at a a photo studio which is like you know a big 40 foot high uh, roof and you know, 40, almost cube, like 40 feet by 40 feet kind of thing. And when I opened the windows or opened the, the windows on the device, they were like, they were hanging like, you know, like big, you know, jumbotron kind of screens, right? So it perfect perspective and scale kind of, you get lost in those kind of things too, right? Like when you've got these big, big giant windows surrounding you, right? So you can, it can, act, it can be like you're sitting in front of, you know, 
sitting at a desk with a bunch of monitors, or it can feel like you're sitting, you know, in the Sky Dome looking at the score on the, the Jumbotron or kind of thing. It just, it's just, it's kind of weird that way. Hmm. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because I had a bunch of screens open and I, and I, I got up and I went up to the kitchen to check on the dogs and I looked back to where, where the, where the, uh, you know, look into, it was like I could see through the walls in the basement because I could still see the screens down in the basement where I, where I was working. Right. <laughs> but I, I had left them all open. So it's kind of like Superman, I can see through walls, you know? So that's cool. And the last thing is to talk about is a Mac mirroring. Like this is, I think, uh, one cool thing is that, um, you know, if you have a Mac and you, you pair it with this thing, you can bring up the, you basically bring up a giant screen, like a, uh, it's a 4K screen and, you know, so you can work in Xcode on the device. You still have to use a keyboard and a mouse, unfortunately, because you can't, um, there's no way to tell what you're trying to do with your hands and stuff like that. But yet, I shouldn't say that they'll never will be, right? But um, yeah, it's cool that you can actually uh, bring up a giant screen on your Mac and, and work within the same environment with the, with your other app. So you can have your Mac monitor there, and then you've got your Vision OS monitor or Windows as well. So. That's it's really kind of an interesting uh, feeling, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's my, I guess that's my ramble about <laughs> Vision OS. How is it on the developer side? Uh, it's pretty good. I mean, like, like from the point of view, like I said, the 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 thing that's different is that is the sense of scale. You don't get the sense of scale with with uh, uh, reality, like in the simulator. Simulator, you're looking at a two dimensional image of a of a of a room, right? And you can put things around the room. You can move them back and forth and stuff like that, but you really don't get the sense of scale until you actually do it in the real world, as it were, right? So one of the apps I'm working on for this for the Codeco course is I, I wanted to figure out how to teach people how to take a, make a ball and then throw the ball, right? Um, and so instead of doing a basketball hoop, I thought I would, because we're geeks, I decided to do a Quidditch hoop, right? Um, so you basically throw the ball through the Quidditch hoop. And... and when I was at the photo studio yesterday, because my house, as you know, is cluttered and there's like nowhere, where would I put a Quidditch hoop here, right? <laughs> um, you know, so it's like 20 feet high kind of thing, right? And and uh, so I was in, so when I was in the photo studio yesterday, before I left, I said, well, let me record this for the, for the course. And so, yeah, so I've got this, you know, 20 foot Quidditch hoop and you take this, you know, 10 centimeter ball and you throw it through the hoop and, you know, cheering and things like that when you score, right? So... <laughs> Using spatial audio for the cheer. <laughs> Does it feel? I, I guess that the gaming part is something that I'm curious about. You know, we we talk about again disruptors, things that are are unique. The Wii, right? The Wii was was a changer. It was it was a paradigm shift in taking what was the sort of experience of having the remote control in your hand and just pressing the buttons to make things happen to actually participating to an extent, you know, you're playing tennis, you're swinging a baseball bat, you're swinging a golf club. Like it, obviously it wasn't perfect technology, but it was a step forward and it's, it's gotten us to where we are today. Mm-hmm. But I remember doing like batting practice and I remember playing tennis and I remember boxing and all those sort of Wii sports games and just some of those things. And it always felt a little hollow just because, you know, you, the interactions are a little like you're, you're whiffing into nothingness and stuff like that. What do you think about this as like a game tool, as a, as, as a gaming device? Is it going to 
you know, my, my, my daughter and I were talking about it the day after, uh, yeah. after you let us have our demo. And mm-hmm. I said, you know, what would you think if they were able to get something like Epic Games or Steam or something like that on a device like that? And she said, I can't imagine they would let that happen. But, <laughs> uh, you know, it, would that be a cool experience? I don't know. I don't know. She was saying it would have to be incredibly reactive for gamers to to want to use it, right? That's that's the challenge is that so much of gaming, especially PC gaming and and computer gaming and online gaming is response time. It's it's those kinds of things have to be like deadly accurate. Otherwise, people will go nuts and throw these things across the room, right? Well, so so imagine this, like as you're saying this, I'm, I'm getting an, an idea in my head. So I've seen a few videos of, of people with the Vision Pro on with a game controller playing like you know, NBA basketball, right? Like the game, right? And you're you know moving the characters around, and you can see that there's sort of the PlayStation. They got that sort of wobbly, you know, mechanics as the players run around. Imagine, if you will, that you could walk down onto the court and stand, you know, at the foul line and watch Kawhi Leonard take a shot. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. right? That's that's a different. I mean, not that you're sitting back in the stands looking at it. But you can actually be on the court with the player, watching him, you know, deke around you, kind of thing, right? Like that's a different. Like the, I, one of the things I've always said about like hockey is I like I like to play hockey. I like to play baseball. I don't really like to watch them, mm-hmm. you know, um, because it's a different feeling when you're actually in on the field and uh, on the field of battle, if you will, like you know, kind of thing, right? So that that's the kind of experience that that I think you you'll have. Like like imagine if you will, you know. Next year, when the Oscars are on, you're sitting sec- in the second row, you know, as Jennifer Lawrence walks behind you to get her next Academy Award kind of thing, right? Because mm. somebody's sitting there with a 360 camera, right? And and that's being broadcast to you on your Vision Pro. I mean, that's the kind of experiential thing that I could see. Or going to the Louvre and not, not having to stand behind 30 people to look at the Mona Lisa. You've got exclusive access to the Mona Lisa kind of thing, which you'll never get in your life, right? Those are the kind of things that I could see coming with this, right? The other thing I think about is like, you know, and there's an app idea that I'm thinking about writing is that, you know, if you walk in, like your mother is always storing stuff. She's a costume maker. So she's always got bins and buckets and, you know, like storage units full of stuff. First time hearing about it. Really? Oh. <laughs> or well, you with your stupid comic books, what? right? Oh, not, what? Hang on. Sorry, sorry. Your 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 graphic novels. What? Sorry. No, they're I comic apologize. books. They're just not stupid. <laughs> okay. So imagine, if you will, you could walk up to your box of comics, look at a barcode with with the device, and it would tell you what titles are in that box mm-hmm. and where in the box they are. Like you know, the Spider Man, whatever, is at the back of the box, or the you know, the Superman is at the beginning of the box, kind of thing, right? That's what I envision this this device being functional for, right? Or I saw somebody do a demo of walking around, you know, they had the map, oh, Maps app open, which is an iPad app, by the way. It's not native on, on uh, Vision OS at this point. Walking along, getting directions as if you, you know, like you do in your car. And, you know, what we don't have access to the LiDAR data yet, but, you know, imagine if we did and you could have like little dots along the sidewalk telling you which way to go and where to turn and stuff like that, right? Like that would be cool. Like, you know, that you have the turn by turn, right? On your car play, right? Mm-hmm. But it would be right in front of you. Like you walk into a Walmart and you want to know where the hardware or the, you know, electronics aisle is and it'll basically draw you a little treasure map on the floor in front of you kind of thing, right? So, or... Somebody, somebody talked about making a, uh, you know, the, the, the Terminator uh, heads up display where he walks into the bar in the first, in the second movie and 
scans the guy to find the one who's got the clothes that fit him. Yep. You know, like that kind of thing. That's that's kind of what this is. This could be like. Is you look at a guy and you could you can get the measure of a man just by looking at him. You know. <laughs> And he would look at you wearing your ski goggles and think, what the heck is this nerd doing in the bar? Geek. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> let, let me grab that and run away with it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious. So obviously you and I've had like the hands on you much more than any of us. I'm curious to, to Mark and Jaime. I'm curious as to, to you know, uh, do you see yourself ever investing in this? And do you see yourself developing for it? Like just uh, thinking about all the things you've done as a developer, do you see, uh, you know, commercial applications? Do you see things that that can be done using that technology? I'd have to sit and think about what I would personally develop for it. That's a, that's a good question. In terms of buying one, I think it starts becoming uh, a no brainer for me if it hits like a thousand dollars U.S., well, if it uh, replaces your laptop, what would you spend on a laptop? Ah, there you go. So if it can legitimately replace my laptop, as I sit here on a laptop that I'm going to drive into the absolute ground, uh, <laughs> or or replace whenever it's due to not get the latest macOS update. Um, replacing laptop. Hmm, see, I, I would buy that less frequently, so it would go up or down in the number. I'm trying to think how I feel about that emotionally. I think if you replace a laptop, I, I'd, I'd go closer to like... 2k maybe two and a half um the the 3.5k is is a bit much for like not knowing what i'm gonna do but if i could know assuredly it would replace my laptop it's probably worth around that mm -hmm. two and a half uh two uh, two thousand five hundred so i wonder if you could analyze the cost chart of something like the iphone and sort of reverse engineer that into approximate uh correlations of how many years it'd take before they would get to that point I mean, I didn't invest, I didn't get my first iPhone. Tim obviously was an early adopter and I would ooh and ah over what he was showing me, but also thinking, yeah, I'm not there yet. It wasn't until I remember exactly what it was, was the iPhone 4, because uh, that was the first one where they, the screen quality really improved. And, you know, when I factored in the costs of everything and it just made sense. So that was the point at which I got that, right? Um, I wonder at what point we'll hit that. Is it is it two years? Is it five years? Is it eight years? Like... How how much how much iteration can they do if the if it's still sort of a, a an object for only elite people to use or wealthy people, frankly, for that matter? I mean, this is Apple; they've got money to burn. But how long do they invest in this to get to a price point that it becomes a populist item? Yeah, I guess it really depends on some of the tech that's inside. Uh, some things are going to get ever cheaper, but I don't know about some of the uh, the other pieces. Well, we talked about the Apple car. We joked about it for years and years, right? That that because there was all those rumors about Apple coming out with a car. Which, again, to me, in the same sense, I couldn't figure out why they were making a phone back in two thousand five, two thousand six. Right? It just it, it didn't seem to be something that made practical sense. They were like you know computer makers, right? So it, we and we don't know if they've given up on a car or maybe we got the whole car rumor stuff wrong. But yeah, I mean it's. It, it's hard to say, like, like you know, like we talked about this on the show a few episodes ago. I think Mark made the point, this is not for everybody, right? This is just for a very small bubble of people, right? Especially with the amount of quantities they're making. It's kind of like the Mac Studio or the or the Mac Pro. Those are devices that not aren't, aren't for everybody, right? But they're, but, you know, businesses that can take advantage of it, they will, you know, they'll buy 20 of them kind of thing, right? Yeah. What about you, Mark? What, uh, what are your takes on, on, Owning and developing for this. Uh, 
I'll probably buy one at some point. When that'll happen, I don't know. Um, I definitely want to watch it a bit to see where it goes and what happens with it. Uh, developer for it, yeah, that all it depends a lot. It it really just depends on where the tech goes. I, I can't say one way or the other right now. Uh, it's it, it's hard to know what the killer app for this is going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, if unless it is the app, the laptop replacement, which is possible, but but. I think it's going to be a while before that happens. Uh, getting the cost down is going to be harder maybe than we think. Because if you think about wh- what are the costs, the silicon cost is nothing. Mm-hmm. The the uh, the optics are going to be a, a pretty big part. Optics don't go down in price, really. Um, right? Because you still have to machine those lenses pretty precisely. Uh, do, you so lens is, do you think the lens is more expensive than the actual LED, like these micro LEDs? LEDs are cheap. The micro LED, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now silicon okay. is cheap. Now the the silicon in the package and everything um, that might that might be a few bucks, but hmm. but and there's a microprocessor in there that's probably a few hundred bucks. Right. But but um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I think the, the the killer app is really a great question mark. What what would be the thing they could put on there that would make people go, oh, my God. I mean, I like the idea. So I was an, an adopter of 3D home technology. I had a 3D TV. It was certainly not as good as going and seeing an IMAX 3D in a movie theater, but it was an interesting experience to sit there with, you know, I have a Samsung TV. So having the, the active glasses, uh, you know, that actually actually trying to, you know, generate that it was, it was an interesting experience and certainly made for a different one. I wouldn't do it every single time I watched a movie, but it was neat to have that available. Being able to, to recreate that experience at home of, you know, a, a legitimately good 3D experience, you know, avatar, I'm going to say it again. I've said it on, on Spotcast. It's, it's not a great movie, but it's a great looking movie. It is definitely diminished at home when you don't get the 3D experience. The 3D, that the, the care that they put into the 3D creation to layer their shots, to add the depth, to do all those things. It looks incredible. Just turn the sound off because the dialogue is terrible. But <laughs> it's... It's an incredible visual experience, and you can never replicate that unless you go back to the movie theater to the point where we did that, right, Tim? We went and saw Avatar again before Avatar 2 came out just so we could see it in that environment again. Uh, That's an enticement for sure for me, but I don't think it's enough that I would be like, well, I want to watch 3D movies at home, so I'm going to buy a $7,000 device. Yeah, you, you pretty much can't buy a 3D TV anymore. I mean, you probably could, but... You'd have to hunt for one, I think, right? Yeah. They're hard yeah. to find. That was a technology that everyone thought was going to be the next big thing, and it failed. Yeah. It failed. Now, you could argue that it was too early, too expensive, and it just never caught on. Uh, but, but, but it certainly didn't replicate the experience, right? Yeah, right. So so whether this thing changes the world or not, I, I don't know. I think it's too early to tell. I really do. I think it's also it is it is the expense. I mean, if you have a uh, subscription to some of these services and they offer those things as as a plus, that's definitely something. But again, I guess it comes back to it. You know what what I said to Tim when we were trying it out is if I lived in a you know studio apartment in a big city, 
I wouldn't buy a plasma screen TV or an LCD or an OLED or whatever that, you know, I don't have the space for to really enjoy anyways. If I could get this to replace a few of the sort of like, I wouldn't need a Blu-ray player. I wouldn't need a, you know, uh, a television set. I wouldn't need a home stereo, you know, like if this thing could kind of mitigate those needs. Plus, obviously, there's always the challenge of, you know, I live in an apartment space. I can't crank things up too loud. And this is a more intimate experience. Plus, obviously, as you say, it cuts out that social aspect. But I can see that being a big plus for, you know, people who are, you know, I'm told that, you know, more and more generations are going less and less cluttered. They don't want physical media. They don't want physical assets. They want everything in a nice, tidy pile. Well, this is a pretty small little package, right? Of course, if they buy one, they're not allowed to complain that they can't afford houses. (laughs) (laughs) Just uh, just stop getting the avocado toast for like a week and then you're done, right? It's like halfway there. Yeah, cut down on the Starbucks and the avocado toast and you're, you're, you're saving right there. So, so let's, let's say these things do kind of take off in the next couple of years, but the price point, price point stays about the same. Maybe it comes down a little bit, but the technology gets a lot better, right? So that gets, that, that's makes it more interesting for, for a lot of people. Do you think the average family of four is going to buy four or are they going to buy one and share it? I mean, the average family, there's no way, right? You're talking about basically half of a family's income for a year to buy four of them. Right, (laughs) right. And that's the problem. That's the problem. So, so it can't replace like the family TV unless everybody's got one. Yeah, fair. I was thinking more about the the sort of the person living out on their yeah, own. No, yeah, that the kind single of person. It's, yeah. it's different. Yeah, the the single engineer, very uh, archetypical uh, character these days, uh, who you know, has a lot of disposable income. Then yeah, they're the they're, they're the perfect candidate for this kind of thing. I was thinking about, uh, so I had um, surgery on my shoulder a number of years ago, uh, and part of the lead up to that was I had to go through all the scans and the tests and stuff to sort of see the extent of the damage that I had done to my shoulder before they could rebuild it. And so I spent that, you know, hour holding very, very still inside a CAT scan machine. Now, I'm not suggesting you want to wear one of these inside a CAT scan machine, given the magnetic uh, impulses, but I think about about the, you know, those kinds of, of, I was thinking about the Japanese hotels, right? The the little, you know, essentially it's a, it's a coffin, right? It's, it's a little tiny traveler's hotel. It's basically just got like a bed and a spot to put your bag. You're like, yeah, if you have one of these things and then you turn it on, you're and as Tim points out, you're you're at Mount Hood or you're, you know, at an NBA game or whatever. And you, you don't feel like you're in this confined little space, right? Yeah, or you're in the Matrix. Well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I mean, it, it really is. The, the comparisons are are inevitable and and obviously, you know, clear. You know, I did get very ready, ready player one vibes, you know, trying this thing on where like it's it. There isn't that community, but I also see this and think like, I wonder if that is the the sort of killer thing for it is, you know, the, the virtual experience of, you know, you could do a dating experience, you know, hey, let's go out for a virtual coffee before we go on an actual date or whatever. And you could go to a, you know, theoretically what looks like a nice setting. And, you know, like, I wonder if that kind of thing can can take off on this kind of device where, you know, somebody's connected to an app you're connected to an app you go in and you you know meet in an interesting communal space and you know you don't have to 
you don't have to have those sort of, you know, initial awkward dates. You can have a basically a virtual date and it wouldn't be like, you know, a FaceTime call. It would be immersive. Well, speaking of immersive, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've turned on my persona. Yeah, we see it. Yep. I see it here on, uh, on Zoom. Yeah. So comparatively speaking, this is me. <laughs> Mildly creepy. With with the virtual hand. Here, where's my virtual hand? (laughs) And you were talking about the real one, right? When you said he's mildly creepy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, nice. Good good, good comment. Yeah. I like that your uh, hat is uh, is on in your avatar. Well, that that took extra work, and and so that that I actually put the full fedora on, and uh, it it's only designed to do like a certain distance away from your head, so Mm. it kind of made it into this pie hat. It doesn't look like that at all, but yeah, we had it. We had three of us on the meeting today with uh, with Vision OS on or Vision Pros on. Yeah, that was strange. It looks like the it. Polar Express. Yeah, you mean my face? Yeah, it, lo- it looks like yeah, like early three uh, D rendering, right? It does. It looks like it looks like that mocap. It looks like like mid twenty two thousands mocap. Yeah, I noticed. I can see on. I can see the lidar scanners on the. On the, you know, the one with me with the real me on it, mm. right around here, you can see, like, flickering. Hmm. You see that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can see it. Yeah, that's, those are the scanners. Huh. Or the IR, I guess IR or whatever. They they mess up the video. Did you see the news stories that uh, crept out early this week where uh, Tesla uh, asked people to stop wearing them while driving their Teslas? Oh, well, there was, like, the same day there was a guy who um, who got pulled over and he put it up on TikTok, right? So. <laughs> self-driving and, and you know you can see the lot the end of the scene you see the cops pulling them over that's probably fine so it's interesting because i just took them off and see how my my persona has sort of died there mm, the <laughs> spectral uh apparition of tim well it's like it's like those that uh, those sci-fi movies we watch where you know you you incorporate like it's like an artificial body and it's just lying there and you your your consciousness enters it and it animates you know well, there you go. You've just, you've just seen a persona live on virtual TV. <laughs> yeah. All right. So what do we got? Like, what's, what's next? How many should we get into our picks? Or did you have some more stuff? Oh, no, we want to talk about the apps, right? Uh, really quickly. So in terms of something like a stadium type experience or an arena type experience, this is my idea here. I have no way to implement this because you, I believe, need on, um, you know, on-site hardware and, and cameras and et cetera. But if anybody's ever watched the um, Thursday Night Football on Amazon Prime, you can switch to one of uh, several broadcasts. And one of the broadcasts is like a fantasy football or uh, Madden video game type view where it tracks all of the players, you know, where they're at on the field, which routes they're running. And it would be really cool to see that sort of thing uh, either if you're at the stadium and you're seeing it live in person and you can follow along. Like I wouldn't say that everybody would use this all the time, but it would be sort of fun to see in situations. And likewise, if you can't make it to the stadium, it sure would be nice to have the uh, Google Maps view kind of camera thing that was there. And then you can be virtually there in like a really good seat and then see the stadium or arena type stuff that other people were talking about. So this, I think, opens some opportunity for like, you know, how can you blend things together when you have a device that can do more and interface in, in newer ways? Yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned that. Like one of the things that occurred to me and uh, Tim showed us the demo of uh, and he mentioned the Alicia Keys 
uh, video that they've made. So it's shot so that you essentially feel like you're standing off to the side or sitting off to the side in a recording studio. She's sitting behind a grand piano uh, and she's speaking to you and looking into the camera. And when she gets up and moves around, she feels like she's walking right towards you. I think the one thing about that is that... You know, you think about experiential things. That's kind of the thing that's been a little bit um, lacking in online experiences. You know, you can tune in on YouTube and watch a concert live. You can watch a sporting event live on TV or you can watch it on on a computer. But to have it be that immersive experience, as Tim said, to to have somebody who's got the, the setup and is sitting in the front row of the Oscars or sitting on the front row, you know, next to Jack Nicholson at the Lakers game or to have somebody who's at the front row of a concert, the, the Taylor Swift uh, era's tour that has been such a hot ticket to not just see it, but to feel like you are in it uh, would be incredible and would really, I think, again, be a game-changing, immersive, enjoyable experience. If they can move the needle on that so that you are more active and less passive in those experiences, I think that that's that again, now we're talking. Now we're talking about something that's that's game changey. Yeah, I think it's like the two thousand dollars sit at the front of the concert ticket yeah. kind of thing. Like Yeah, that, absolutely. You know, if if like if two hundred people could could, you know, have that experience for less money, they you know I mean, me concert tickets prices come down a bit, you know, kind of thing. Or like you, like you said, being able to go to like a Stanley Cup playoff game or an NFL, NFL football game and not have to suffer. Although, other than I guess you know, the tailgating and all that kind of stuff is the fun stuff, right? But yeah, I'm not saying it's going to replace those experiences, but a, not everyone can afford those, obviously, and b, you know. I can't go see a Seattle Kraken game live, but I could if I knew that I could fire up the app, go to the NHL app, fire it up, see what games are on and be like, oh, they've got a live, you know, uh, you know, Apple Vision version of this game. I can actually sit down and be, you know, sitting at the blue line, being able to watch just like somebody who's got a front row ticket. That's very different than watching a game on TV. And, you know, yeah, of course, it's not going to replace the, you know, the experience of actually being on the ice, but it, pretty darn immersive and very much more intriguing than than just a passive one, right? Right. So, Jaime, do you want to bring up the, the uh, article about the apps? Yeah, there's a couple lists. And as I mentioned, I can only live vicariously through you folks who actually own these, but there's a TechCrunch article on uh, entitled Apple Vision Pro. Here are the first apps you should download. And then on the interwebs uh, around the launch day of the Vision Pro, uh, this person named Donovan at Donovan's Vision Blog. And here is their own view of uh, worthy or worthwhile, or perhaps even just a pure listing of things that were available specifically for the Vision Pro. Yeah, no. So well, a couple of things I can I can talk about. Like for, the first thing is, is I had to use an American. I have an American Apple ID, and I had to buy some credit when I was in the state to, to download some apps. So there's a limit to what I can actually try out. Um, but I have tried the Runestone on iOS. I haven't tried it on here yet. Um, I'm just looking at the the list one. There's a couple of people who put lists. That we probably should have um, found some more. The piano one looks cool. The piano flow tile, flow tiles is basically you can st- stand in front of your keyboard and it maps to your keyboard so it tells you where to which key to play it when you're learning a song that looks kind of cool 
Um, the PGA Tour one is interesting. The MLB one looks pretty good. I'm not a baseball fan, but it looks cool to me. Um, Crunchyroll, obviously, for that's for the anime, right? Um, the Disney Plus out, Disney Plus app is definitely worthwhile getting because they've. If you have a Disney Plus account, there's I think there's about 15 3D movies that you know, like like the Marvels and all the way back to some end, like the End Games on there. A few other, uh, of course, the yeah, two Avatar movies, like I mentioned before, that's kind of a cool app to have. I did based on this list, Jaime. I downloaded uh, the one that broadcasts your phone to your. Um, you like, and it's funny because, like, oh, Mercury Weather. That's Mercury Weather is by some friends of mine in um, in Vancouver, Malin and um, Kai. Um, they that's a pretty cool one. Night Sky is apparently really neat. That's the one with the where you see the stars in the sky above you. Yeah, I have that for my um, iOS. Yeah, I haven't tried that one. Widget Smith, I, I downloaded that one. The other one, the other one is one of my picks, but I'll talk about it in a minute. Um, no, I mean the one that compares to Widget Smith. Apparently, you can make widgets with it, so that's kind of cool. Cut the rope. I haven't tried that one yet, but that's a that was a, a great game, game we game we loved playing on iPad. The whole family, right? Um, but what's the one? It begins with a B. But it basically lets you stream your your phone to you put a, an app on your phone and you broadcast it to the to the. Uh, Vision Pro, and then you can you can't navigate the phone, but you you know you can see what the phone is doing. It's again, as I said, the pass through video is is not the best. So being able to see what's on the screen of your phone uh, a little crisper, clearer is better. And then looking at the um, looking at the um, TechCrunch article, Apple TV obviously is a good app to have. Disney Plus, I can um, say that's a good one. Amazon Prime, I think, is still the iPad version. It's not, I didn't find a native version of that again the same thing with the sports i'm not a sports guy so i'm the wrong guy to ask for that so the juno for youtube well so my pick is is a friend of mine he's young young developer he's like 15 years old he's in third year high school is that right maybe 17 i don't know um his name's morris richmond he wrote vision tube which is uh basically a youtube replacement you know um and juno is is also a youtube replacement as well but so how does it work as a replacement does it essentially draw the same content but in a different way, yeah. yeah it's just just it just presented in a different way. I think there's some sort of API that you can use, or, or I think it's probably just grabbing the um, the URLs and just rendering the the because that's all that's all YouTube is is just showing you you put in the URL and it shows plays the video for you, right? Right. So, yeah. Um, it obviously doesn't have all the the backend publishing stuff, but uh, and I can't talk about we don't I don't think we have many cable. I guess Bell and Rogers would be, would be comparative. Is that Xfinity and Verizon and Spectrum TV are those is that kind of like your cable replacements? I mean, Mark, I'm I'm thinking about this one because it, certainly those are uh, cable providers and, and etc. Um, actually, don't know what you get if you subscribe to something like Spectrum TV as opposed to having cable television from Spectrum, which is a cable provider, and Xfinity is Comcast. That's a, another one. They're, these are regional. I mm-hmm. actually don't know, but presumably you're viewing experiences of whatever content they have, similar to, uh, you know, just above, you know, things like MLB or Paramount Plus. And then on production, on the productivity side, we've got, you know, the usual suspects, Keynote, Mail, um, uh, and then, of course, the, 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 all the Microsoft stuff that as well, like the, uh, it, very much like the iPad versions. I haven't tried them yet, but but Word, uh, you know, Teams, if you want to put Teams on your device, it's up to you. <laughs> Uh, Fantastical, which is another interesting one. Box is like a drop, is like Dropbox. Um, but I haven't tried those ones yet. And then 
I've tried uh, Zoom. I haven't tried WebEx or FaceTime yet. And Slack, of course. Slack is the iPad app. So your mileage will vary there. Yeah, the only browser, I guess, right now is Safari. Interesting. Or according to this list, right? And I haven't put Discord on my on my Vision Pro. I may never put that on. <laughs> um, the Lego Lego's Builder Journey is supposed to be really good. That's uh, that's um, written in Unity, apparently. Hmm. It looks really interesting. You, you know, put together Lego stuff. Oh, I just got the N- NBA four four two K four two K two four. I don't know what that is. Arcade edition. Yeah, two K two four would be the newest version of NBA two K. Yeah, yeah. I I stumbled across an arcade app, but I don't have an arcade subscription on uh, my American account. Hmm. Um, Carrot Weather is like well known for weather. Lightroom, Firefly. Yeah, I haven't, haven't tried those ones yet, but probably give them a shot. At least uh, Firefly. That's the AI. So having actually had some hands-on experience with it for a few days, do you also see yourself, like, is your brain percolating with see a need, fill a need? Yeah, a few of them. I mean, obviously, the app that I did write is something that I've been using, like, a you know, like, I mean, like, call it dog fooding your own app kind of thing. Um, so that's, I, I use it probably every couple of days. So um, so what do you got for picks, Ami? Mine was uh, a Cult of Mac article. Um it's not today in Apple history because this was from March 6th of 2023, but it just felt sort of timely that this made its way back onto the interwebs. Uh, the day of uh, March 6, 2008, when folks were able to build apps for the iPhone in an official way and distribute locations and just sort of looking back at Steve Jobs covering that and the, uh, you know, here's the cut that you're going to get. Here is the restrictions like you know, no scam apps, you know, no, no naughty apps, that sort of thing. And it just sort of felt a little bit nostalgic, but also like, oh, we could be hypothetically in the early days of that sort of thing with the Vision Pro and its own uh, app store and, and new things that people are going to be able to make. I mean, I, you raise a good point. It's something we didn't really talk about. Obviously, Apple controls its apps pretty stringently, but one of the drivers of technology has always been pornography. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it helped usher in the home video era. It certainly helped drive the internet. Uh, is there an application for this for the adult world? No. Or will Apple be like, absolutely not? Apple's restricting porn on... That's one of the... One yeah. of the I, I think officially no, but from a... Will somebody find a way to jailbreak these? And <laughs> and then you get into really, you know, ethically questionable areas. Like uh, as we sit here in this, uh, let's call it the second week of February 2024. One of the big news items out there for this generative AI world is like, oh, there's like Taylor Swift deep fake pornography. And it's like, well hop skip and a jump away from like why don't i jailbreak my vision pro and then have this and then you sort of connect the dots right like those are the sorts of things we will have to start dealing with as a as a society like what what does it mean when you have that sort of stuff we probably have a little bit of a preview if you watch black mirror on netflix yep. and sort of wonder of like hey, maybe this is a little bit of fortune telling here but but who knows and, and, but you're quite right that a lot of stuff has ended up going towards the like hmm how do we meet these basic, uh, you know, innate impulses we have as human beings to reproduce and to consume food? I bet you there'd be some really cool uh, Good Eats or uh, Gordon Ramsay or Food Network type material type stuff also on the Vision Pro or 
hey, follow along. Gordon Ramsay's got this thing strapped to his head. He's going to cook. And like, you can watch and see, do the same thing too, right? Follow yeah. along with your kitchen. Like those sorts of things are like, you, you could hypothetically do it now. You, you could duct tape uh, a phone or an iPad to your face in some way that you'd be able to do, <laughs> but this would be much more immersive and, and a more logical way to do it. So uh, there's a lot of pros and cons coming along, I think, here for this. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even just thinking about, you know, could somebody not using an app but using a website, you know, create content that is formatted for this kind of a device so that even if you just go to their website and you get a a different experience. I'm just wondering, as I say, (laughs) the day was it, uh, there's a joke from a comedy uh, album that I've listened to years ago where somebody said, you know, the day that you can sit in your easy chair and, you know, crack open a beer and strap on your VR goggles and have, you know, a supermodel come over and and give you a visit is the day that we all just decline as a society. Well, nobody will leave the house, you know, the, this could has the potential to be a really immersive experience that way. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, it's, it's not, especially with the hand gesturing, if you'll pardon the pun, uh, it's a bit of a different experience than, you know, like a a meta quest or something like that, where you've got, you know, your hands have got these devices and you have to use those to move around over here. You know, it's all gesture based. Yeah. I don't know. To me, it just seems like that industry is so, inventive as far as trying to get people into the next thing i wonder if if uh, they're already plotting the next thing for that yeah i got a couple of things i mentioned them earlier uh vision tube by morris richmond is uh, a youtube uh clone um again he's a third year what is, i don't know how you say it in the state in the state third year student in high school um and then another friend uh, frank foster he i think he's involved with the ios uh happy hour community he wrote a little utility. Uh, one of the things about the Vision OS that's kind of weird is there's no ever-present status bar, right? So there's no date. Uh, you can't look at your battery. You can't look at the date and time kind of thing. So he wrote this little utility window that shows exactly that stuff, the volume of your whatever media you got playing, what's, whatever's queued up in your Apple Music app, and the time and how much charge you have in your battery. Which the battery charge is, a, is an important thing on this because, yes, it, it really does last two hours. So depending on what you're doing, it uh, can be a problem. The archive is something that uh, crosses over into both uh, Spotcast and uh, in our worlds, and that is uh, the Roddenberry archive, right? So it's um, a bunch of uh, some films about Roddenberry. There's uh, You can have virtual um, bridges of all of the various enterprises and Excelsior, and um, you can check out all the variations of all the enterprise um you know, all the way from the first one all the way up to Enterprise J. Um, and see what the bridge looks like, you know, see what 10 forward looks like. Um, that's kind of cool. And as well as uh, from the movie point of view, Disney Disney has this thing where you can sit in the Disney theater or you can um, you can watch, the, like, have the screen just floating in front of you like any other, any other app. Or you can sit in the theater like as if you're sitting in a, in a theater with plush seats and popcorn and stuff. Uh, and the IMAX app, which I mentioned uh, before as well. So when you open it, it opens in the ratio of an IMAX movie. And uh, there's only four movies in it right now. The one is free, and I think it's uh, um, it's called The Beautiful Planet. I think I might have it on IMAX somewhere. And uh, narrated by, um, what's her name? Jennifer from Catcher Fire um, Hunger Games. Jennifer, Jennifer Lawrence? Lawrence? Yeah. yeah, her, that one. And... Um, 
so that one's free, but there's other ones you can rent in there. So I, I suspect that they're going to have more movie titles available in the future. But that's kind of like you're sitting in a IMAX. The environment is you're sitting in an in in IMAX theater. So it's kind of cool. I watched a, a show on Disney Plus this morning or today um, called Mr. Mercury, I think it is. No, Mis, Mr. Mercedes. Um, and I watched the first episode uh, just with the device on and... I watched a little bit of it, and then I, and I went and had dinner and came back downstairs, and I watched it on my TV, and then I went back and watched it on on the, the Vision Pro, and I got to say, on the Vision Pro, it was a little bit more enjoyable. The one thing I did notice, though, is there's a bit of lens um, aberrations, like you can see the glass, uh, glare on the glass if it's a really dark environment, but yeah, but it was kind of, it was, I think I enjoyed it more off the, the, the Vision Pro than I did off my TV with my home pods and all that kind of stuff, so those are my picks. So Vision Tube, Utility Window, The Archive, and IMAX. Well, I guess that's it for another episode. So, Mark, if people were in touch with you, where would they find you, Mark? Uh, Mark R at Snapsoft.com. <laughs> All right. Um, and I may have people were in touch with you. I'm on Twitter as at Dev of the Hair. And Jonathan, thanks for coming on the show again. And if people want to get in touch with you, where would they find you? You can always find me on uh, YouTube at YouTube.com slash at JPK, or you can find me on the socials on uh, X or Instagram as at JPK News. And aren't you on some sort of podcast as well? Um, I do. I do a couple of podcasts, uh, one one of which I get paid for. Um, uh, I do a great one called Spotcast with two cool guys. And uh, also, if you really want to re- learn, learn lots about Canadian healthcare, I endorse the Canadian Health Information Podcast and also the... Balado d'information sur la santé au Canada, which I also produce. All right, my name is Tim Mitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A, on the Twitter machine, the Mastodon machine, the Vision Pro machine, and all the other things. So until next time, see you in the future. Bye. 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 This has been another episode of the More Than Just Code podcast. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the apps, code, and news that we mentioned on the show. If you like the podcast, tell your friends. Please leave a comment on the website, and if you can, please write a review on iTunes. And please recommend us in your favorite podcatcher. All of these things help others find out about the show. We really appreciate your help with spreading the word. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. So use the hashtag AskMTJC. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at MTJC underscore podcast. Please consider supporting the show by pledging any amount on Patreon.com slash MTJC. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. All right. I guess I better go corral these these animals. All right. All right. Somebody thought the second dog was a good idea, right? Yeah. Well, it is a good idea. It's just the the first six months, six eight months are always a challenge. Yep. Yeah. These things are sent to try us, right? <laughs> yep. They they're meant to give us frustration and joy, and they give us both in abundance. Oh, the camera's on. I forgot the camera's on. Oh, we've been watching this whole time. We've been enjoying. <laughs> right.
Good job. You didn't see the part where I threw the dog out the back door, did you? <laughs> no, we just saw you disappear up the stairs. <laughs> well, I'm looking at the camera and she's like, she's gone to the same spot twice. And I'm thinking, that can't be right. You know, that's not good. <laughs> yep. Anyway, I better go deal with these uh, animals. So talk to you guys later. All right. All right. Talk to you later. Take care. Sure. Good to meet you, Mark. Yep. Good to meet you, too. Right. Take care. Okay. Bye. Yep. See you. Bye. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.